on today's show. We are getting to know a bunch of people because it's a compilation of guests best first for last. But first, a word from today's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and to start feeling better because you, dear listeners, deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are the greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Getting to Know You Pod listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash getting the number two. No, the letter U. It's just like the pod's name. That's betterhelp.com slash getting to know you. The link's in the description. AndrePsyche.com is gone. But Andre Psyche, the man on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, is alive and thriving. You're going to want to follow and message Andre. Why? Because he is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up. It's Andre Psyche the next time you're looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Listeners, listen up. Get 25% off your order at ShadyRays.com by using the promo code GETTING. Use GETTING, G-E-T-T-I-N-G, when checking out to get 25% off on the best sunglasses around. You see, Shady Rays takes extreme pride in their multi-layered lens technology, which is made for high visibility and strength to be shadow-resistant. And with free shipping and a lifetime lost or broken protection warranty, why would you choose any other brand? Go get you a pair, or fuck it too, by going to ShadyRays.com, perusing their polarized sunglasses, and then using the promo code GETTING when you check out to save 25% of your total. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors for as little as $2 a month on our Patreon. Your money will go towards the cost of producing, distributing, and improving the quality of this podcast. Again, you can go to our Patreon, links in the description, and for as little as $2 a month, you, yes you, can have a part in supporting the Getting to Know You Pod's mission of getting to know all sorts of new and interesting people. Two bucks, a little too much? Well, here are three, three ways to help. I don't know why I find that so clever. <laughs> Push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the pod on. Friend or follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Go to Apple. Write a review. Those, dear listeners, will cost you nothing but your time and will mean so much to the pod's growth. And now, Getting to Know You. Hello. 
getting to know you, getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. Be aware, dear listeners and future guests, I usually end podcasts with this. Can I get your best first for last? Still available for sponsorship. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. I want to like tell you this story about this awful date I went on, but I think the guy that I went out with that like follows me on Twitter and like I think he's really big to listen um, so why don't you tell me the story about the friend who told you the story about this awful date that they went on with this person that didn't identify as a guy? <laughs> Can we do it that way? Sure. Yeah. So somebody was, had an app date like three years ago from, um, maybe, maybe Tinder, maybe Hinge, maybe J-Swipe, which is the Jewish Tinder. There's you a Jewish... Know? Wait, so far, have you heard of Farmers Only? Yes. Okay, I had no idea there was a J-Swipe, huh? Yeah. Oh. Um, so he is like, let's like, like want to go out. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, the thing about these updates is that like, I like agree to them. And sometimes I like won't be as into them. But it's like, I already said I was going to go. I don't want to cancel it. So... Can I pause in the middle of the story just for context and understanding for someone in Delaware who's basically on an island? Like online dating in a city to me seems like it would be overwhelming as hell. It is. It is overwhelming. Can you just give me a little bit of context to understand how overwhelming? Um, I haven't, excuse me, I haven't opened Hinge in like a month because there's just too many people that want to talk and I just don't like have anything to say. And also I can let my matches build up and then like go through them all at once, which is nice. Um, sorry, I'm really a little tired. Um, but it is just those like, especially as a woman, you just like get matches after matches. And, like and I'm like, it's cause guys will just, they'll swipe right on like everything. Mm. It's a numbers game. Um, and then we get so many matches that we like maybe won't reply to all of them because it's like, you know, they're like low quality because everyone swipes right on everything. Um, so what are some of your factors? What are you looking for, for you to reply? Um, I don't know. I think probably just like, well, okay. One thing I hate is like, if you go to one of my questions and ask me a question about it, it's like, I already gave you a question. Like, don't, <laughs> Like, why are you asking something to me? Like, I gave you three openers. Anyway, um, <laughs> something else is just something, like, interesting about them, something that, like, shows a little sense of humor. Um, they have to have, like, good diversity of pictures. Like, they can't all be group pics. You can't be wearing sunglasses and a hat in all of them. Oh. Um, the, you know, like, at least one picture showing, like, you know, just an open mouth smile. So, 
That's interesting. Open mouth smile. Do you care at all about like a full body pic? Um, not, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not talking like shirtless, like show abs, but I'm talking about like more than just like, can I, can I, I mean, at least yeah, see your torso? I can, you know, you can kind of tell when someone is like angling the camera specifically so that they like, you don't see that their whole, but you know, I, I want to, I want to see, you know, you want to see what you get. Like you just want to silhouette, see. silhouette, not to yeah. be rude. Can, can I get a silhouette just so that it doesn't turn awkward? Cause I feel deceived. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't, it's not like I, you know, you don't have to tell me how tall you are or anything. I just kind of want to see, um, like what I'm expecting, you know? <laughs> so no questions. Um, yeah, and then, so then you so actually, guy, yeah, I was going to say, so then, yeah, you actually, this guy met some decent criteria. He showed his teeth. He had hatless pictures. Um, this and, was like one of my, this was one before, this is like my early days of online dating. Um, before you had standards. I had, well, I don't know, because sometimes you just like go out with the guys I don't know, it's honestly such a mixed bag, and it really just depends on, like, your mood. Like, sometimes I'm not in the mood to, like, you know, like, just be talking to some dude for hours and be bored. Podcast life. Appreciate it. <sighs> I'm there now. God. I mean, at least, like, this is, we're doing something here. Like, at the end of, you're not trying to you know, get something out of me besides, like, a conversation, you know. I hope. That's not the impression I got. True. Well, just wait um, so. till you check your messages. There's a whole bunch of like, <laughs> I have this allowance waiting for you. Oh God! Could you yeah. imagine how fucking creepy that would be? Sorry, I don't want to get off task. All right, best first for last. <laughs> like, if you look at your Instagram and all of a sudden your fucking Twitter and it's just nothing but messages for me about like allowance. Honestly, that'd be like really just in the context of this us just having a conversation. It'd be really funny. It would. I, <laughs> I thought about it and anyway. All right, so <laughs> best first. <laughs> it's all about tone um, and tact. So this guy um, is like really interested in me, and like he seems cute, um, and you know he seems very like eager and like whatever. And when was this? This was I was working like my first job, but I only worked out for like six weeks, so this must have been. Like January 2018. <laughs> I think. Hey, yeah, that was maybe. the record, by the way. Five yawns. That was the record. They're contagious. So the more I do, the more I get. Because <laughs> you're looking at yourself in the Zoom. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's um, how it I works. think I might just need like. <laughs> That's it. So this guy wants to hang out and I'm like, okay, like, sure. Like I like meeting people. Um, so he's like, we can go to Bryant park and, um, ice skate and, um, whatever. Like I'm really good at ice skating. I'm like, Oh, like I kind of like don't really like ice skating. And like, I suck at keeping, like I suck at balancing anything. Um, when I was 11, I had an ice skating birthday party for some reason. And at the end of the party, I fell and broke my wrist. Oh, so, shit. yeah, I have a lot of just ironic birthday stories. It's just a seriously, um, <laughs> dude, it's all so, there. so. I've gone ice skating a couple times since then, but I was like, I didn't really want to. So I was like, Do you want to maybe do something else? Like I don't know. Um, and he's like, 
I don't know. I don't like really remember exactly, but I, I, I could totally like go on my phone and like find the exact combo, but I won't. Um, <laughs> I don't delete anything. But so good to know. Helpful hint, by the he, way. <laughs> People, helpful hint. Yeah, she got receipts. <laughs> um, yeah, screenshots are forever. Don't forget that. So he he's being kind of pushy, and he really wants to meet up. And I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. Like so. I figure we'll meet up in Bryant Park and go ice skating. So this dude, like... I can't believe you rang- caved. Oh, my God. Well, okay, so this is what happened. So we meet up, and, like, I'm already not feeling it, like, while waiting for him. Why and did I you cave? Him. Can I... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I know I know you're super tired. You're being super nice, like... No, no, give no, me no this story. Good. But, like, why did you cave? Why weren't you just... Like, what was so appealing about this internet I, like, stranger? I don't remember i just kind of figured you know i'd get there and then i'd be like i don't want to go ice skating because like he wasn't he wasn't like being receptive to it online and i was already like that i'd meet up with him and you know so we get there and immediately he has a backpack he has his own ice skate in his backpack nice does he have a sharpener (laughs) as well like a blade he's like running through Yeah, and, you know, I can tell he wanted to go ice skating because it's something he's good at, and he probably Mm. wanted to show off and whatever. But luckily, the ice skating place in Bryant Park is closed for an event, so we couldn't go ice skating, which was honestly my plan the whole fucking time. Um, So I don't like ice skating and definitely don't want to be forced to, like, hold on to some dude that I don't even know who brought his own ice skates. Talk about a power play. That's a good call, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Like, if you're competent, that's automatic physical contact as soon as you're on the rink, in the rink. Yeah, and this was definitely on this guy's mind. So it's it's like December or January or something. It's pulled oh, out. Yeah. So we can't we can't go ice skating. I think we got um like some kind of coffee somewhere and we're walking. And this guy like kept trying to hold my hand, and I didn't want to hold his hand. You know, yeah, so I put my hand in. The pockets of my jacket like it's a, like a tougher jacket um because it's cold out and this guy like reaches into my pocket to hold my hand inside my pocket wow. and i was like first like, Do you want to like hold hands and i was like oh my hands are cold and i like put them in my pockets and then he's like oh like i can hold them in your pockets and i was like maybe don't do that <laughs> Like, those words were literally spoken. Maybe don't do that. Probably. It was so long ago. Um, So That's so odd, man. First date. Like, you would think first date, there'd be some nerves to, like, pick up on those social cues. Yeah, and it's just, like, just the audacity of men who, like, will literally, like, stick their hands in your pocket to hold your hand when, like, instead of, like, getting... It's pretty clear, you know. Pretty clear, especially if you've been rejected outside of pocket to continue into pocket. Yeah, like it's a pretty out of pocket response, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're walking, and I think we end up in like Madison Square Park area, it's like a little more downtown. Um, and I think he like tries to show me some like funny video. I think. One of the reasons you want to go out with me is because I, you know, I'm very cool and cute and, like, nerdy. And, like, every every guy who, like, thinks that, like, me having one of the same interests as them means that I'm, like, their dream girl. Like, they're going to have a bad time. 
So he he tries, he wants to show me this like Pokemon video like online that I've already seen. Um, so he stops to do that and I just kind of keep going, whatever. It was just like awkward. Then we're sitting at this bench in the park and um, like I'm thinking in my head like, okay, like I'm not going to see this dude again. Um, so he is like, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, literally thinking about train times because I had to commute back to Long Island at that point because I was not living here already. So he's like, so um, what are you thinking about? And I was like, I'm thinking about like, you know, like which train I'm going to take to get back to Penn Station so I could take another train. And, he, and I was like, what are, what are you thinking about? And he was like, um, thinking about how, you know, like I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on a date with a cute girl. And I'm having a really great time, and you know I'm hoping she'll she'll wanna like kiss me and stuff, and then I wanna kiss her, and I was like, Ugh. I was like, oh, yeah, that's. And then I was like, yeah, sorry, I don't really like kiss on the first date, which like isn't true, and I feel bad for lying, but it was better than yeah. straight up being like, I don't want to kiss you right now. Everybody knows that's not true. So, like, number one, if you don't get the out-of-pocket to in-pocket double rejection, and then you got the audacity to, like, beat around the bush asking for a kiss, that seems like some weird bachelor play where you're worried about not getting the rose. And it's your, like, last-ditch effort for, you could love me. I could be I could be the Prince Charming. And it's like, bro, you got it. Matter of fact, actually, if you're on a date and you got to ask somebody what they're thinking about, like conversation ain't going, that should be just the clue to be like, motherfucker, it ain't happening. Yeah, this poor guy, but also like fucking. Um, so then it gets worse. So then um, we, it's like the date's like ending finally. Um, so, you know, I was like, how, how are you training? Do you need to get home? Because that is what I was thinking about. Um, and I don't remember how, but somehow he managed to, he was like, I'll walk you back to Penn and I'll wait with you for your train, which is entirely just way too much, like, you know, time to, to spend, like, with me when I'm, like, not even enjoying So, like, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that I was, like, no, like, no need. And he's, like, oh, like, you know, I want to make sure you get home and say it, like, whatever. So then I was, like, fine, I'll let him walk me to Penn. So we get to Penn, and I'm waiting for my train to get there. It hasn't platformed yet. Um, and he asked the golden question of, um, like, would you want to go out again? And then me, I'm thinking, like, okay, I want to be a good person. I don't want to ghost this dude. I don't want to. Why not? Why not? Why not be honest and be like, sorry, man, I'm not feeling you. So I said, I'm like, I don't really see it going anywhere. Like, sorry. Like, you know, maybe we could like just kind of like friends or something. Like, I don't know. And then he's like, he does not take it well. He's like, oh, like, you know, like what was wrong with the date or something like I don't, I don't you know it was a very long time ago I don't exactly remember but it was he was just kind of asking um like you know like just really like wanted to go out again and it ended up being that like Took it was personal. I yeah well so it ended up I had my answer changed from a no to like a maybe because he was like you know just like think about it or something you went on a like, second date 
Like you felt no, pity. Wait, no, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't go on a second date, but <laughs> I was like, you know, like we'll text, you know, we'll talk, and then you know, he texts me the next day, and I'm just, I kind of let him know, like I don't, you know, I just don't really see this working. I'm, I didn't really feel a connection. I don't really want to like pursue anything romantic with you. And then I kind of say, like, you know, maybe we can be friends. And then he says to me, like, well, like, I just, I don't want to automatically get, like, friend-zoned, like, in, into the friends. Like, what's the, you know, like, what's the point in that? And I'm just, you know, so, yeah, that's, like, that head, that head stone in the coffin. And I was like, okay, but, like, I don't want to be more than friends. So, like, that's kind of the end of that conversation. And, um... He was just like, I just like really like you. I don't know. He's like, you're different, da, 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 like stuff like that. And I'm like, I, you know, it's really cool that you feel this way about whoever you think I am. Um, but I'm just not interested, and like, you're just gonna have to like respect that. And it's just crazy because I, this is me. This is me trying to be nice and not ghost a guy, and and just reject him up front. And then these men, it's like. They'll be like, they'll reject your rejection and then you have to do it again, but like in meaner. Okay. Well, I'm going to take this in a whole nother direction. I love it. But so in Hawaii, we, uh, we traditionally, we, uh, when we meet someone for the first time, you press your foreheads together and your noses touch at the tip and you close your eyes and you breathe in at the same time and then you breathe out. And in that moment, you're sharing breath with each other. And we say ha for breath in Hawaiian. And what you're doing when you're doing this is you're sharing your ha, which is breath, but it also means you're sharing your spirit. So in the first time that you see someone, and every time after, you, you press your forehead together and your nose, and you share with them your strength and your spirit and your knowledge that you've both accumulated. And it passes between the two people. We say we say that word as aloha now, um, oh. and you spread the spirit of aloha. Are you spreading your spirit with people by by sharing your stories and you're sharing like your wisdom. Um, and you know, my my twin brother and I, before we would go and wrestle in a tournament, before we would race with each other, we would grab each other's back of the head, we put our foreheads together and our nose together, and we would breathe in together, and then we'd share each other's spirit and strength, and um, we do it in our goodbyes and we do it in our hellos and it's just uh something that's so empowering for for me as a person and for many hawaiians um but that's the one thing that you do when when you first meet someone you just fucking made me tear up dylan what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you man jesus God damn it, Sean. God. <laughs> Dylan, that that is a great fucking zag, man. So like before wrestling matches, wait, so both you guys wrestled. Right. Yeah, in college too. Wait, he went to Colorado with you? No, he was wrestling in college uh, in Oregon for the NAIA. Gotcha. For, for a little bit before so- he... Or dropped out. Did you go to the both the same high school, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah, we did. So everybody's fucking doing this with like because wrestlers are fucking nuts. Like y'all are the sickest of the fucking psychos. 
of any high school sports athlete. Like, honestly, right? Or you want to, like, argue that? No, I, I completely agree. Yeah, you dudes are fucking nuts. So is every Hawaiian almost, like, looking like they're kissing each other before they wrestle, which seems super feminine? Or is that, like, kind of a special thing between you and your brother? Um, no, not everyone does it. But it's, some, it's like, ancient tradition to do. Or it's it's a very old school way of um, greeting someone, you know. Um, yeah. Nowadays, nowadays people just kiss each other on the cheeks, like the French. You know how the French do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they do they do it one time on the cheek. But it's like it's a very ancient, um, almost like old school way of of greeting someone. How'd you come across that? You know, it's something like it's like saying to someone salutations. Like everyone knows what salutation means. It's a very like old school thing to say. Are you sure everyone knows what salutations means? I'm assuming, man. I fucking okay. hope so. Salutations. I want to say like everyone knows what's what's up means, but I don't know if they know <laughs> what like salutations means. I don't know if I could fucking define. I think I would define it as like someone saying what's up, like a cowboy going by and being like, "What's up?" Okay. Well, well, let's okay. Let's change it. Maybe they say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's a very old school thing to do yeah and it's uh but there there is power and and you know in, in your roots and there's power in that but that's and uh yeah that's what i was saying was that like a dad thing a mom thing a uncle or you saw was, like older guys doing it it was something that my hawaiian friends would do with me like uh, it was something that my team my my particular team would do and my team would do it in high school because we were like a lot of us were local local hawaii boys local hawaii girls you know we, we were the ones who were doing it and then um you know we, we practiced that tradition with with the wrestlers and with the runners and it was just something that kept us together as like a as like a team you know and like yeah and that unit but it might have looked weird to people, but like I don't know, you get beat up by the guy that's doing that. Who's gonna? Well, that's what I'm gonna... thinking. Like, dude, you're fucking sitting there looking like you're French kissing your brother, and this motherfucker is thinking, when he's waiting for you, like, oh, I'm a fucking mash this fool, and then you put it on his bitch ass. Like, what's more fucking insulting? That's where my mind went, dude. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. If you ever like find yourself researching like Polynesian cultures, that's something that that you'll see a lot of, like in the Maori culture and New Zealand, uh, the Tahitian culture, um, Hawaiian. Um, you see, you see those those types of greetings. Gotcha. And would that be so? Are you an asshole if you come off the plane on an island trying to fucking do that to people? Or you got to have like a relationship with the individual to do that. Um, it's it's kind of like something that you have to know that they do that. Um, I know there there are people who practice the, that old way, the old ways like that, and you know, like okay, so Vince does that. So when I when I go up to Vince, I'm not going to shake his hand. I'm going to give him. Gotcha. I'm going to do, do aloha with him. But you know, there's this um, when the first colonialists came to to Hawaii, the, the very, very like stereotypical racial term, racist term for white people is Haole, which is like the, uh, I don't know if there's a, what is it in Spanish? Gringo, right? Gringo. Gringo. 
Gringo. Exactly. In, so in, in like English, it's called cracker. But go ahead. Cracker, yeah. So yeah. we say Howley for cracker. But Howley is the is like the white person way to say ha ole. Ha ha meaning spirit and breath and ole meaning no. So like no spirit. So when oh, the people shit. came to Hawaii, um, they wouldn't do the breath they wouldn't do that with them, right? So they were called like the people without spirit and people without breath because they didn't want to share that with them. And um so it's a very uh, interesting if if someone were to, if someone were to call you that and you're with me, I'd be very upset. Hmm. Let me think. And we already got your best first time that um, strangers cheered your erection. So we don't need. We don't need. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we already talked about the best first time I killed an animal with a bow that I made. You know, like, yeah, no. And that, dude, and it's funny because a lot of these pods, like, they, they go that way where you're, like people are just always sharing those first. So it kind of like can make you dive a little deeper to think, like, what's something fucking kind of weird? Yeah, and out there that I like was like the question. A best like, first. Hmm. You can edit out all the time while I'm thinking, right? I can, or I leave it in just to humble you a little. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's <laughs> just, a bad. Just show how slow my mind is working, or how thoughtful you are. Hmm. Yes. And you gotta you gotta realize I'm rubbing my beard right now too, and really thinking deeply. Light the cigar. Pour the cognac. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I've like. And I guess I'm kind of like stalling to fill the time, but like I've, I've hesitated to give examples and shit of my own. Cause it kind of sure. puts people's mind on that track. Sure. And sometimes that's helpful. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I hadn't thought about that. Almost like what you were saying with Africa where it's like, I don't get triggered to think about it often. So when mm-hmm. I do, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I, as an aspiring, not only profiler, but host struggle mm-hmm. with the, um, guidance. The yeah. yeah. You know? And I've had people tell me like, hey, man, you should really like give them a heads up that you're going to end the pod with the best first. This way they can right. like, get their story right. And I'm like, do you want that? Or do you want like the authenticity of the on the spot pressure? Right. Yeah, because if you told me before, I don't think it would have had the same yeah, authenticity or pop or creativity that I'm digging for right now. You know, exactly. I think I would have just come up with some programmed answer. So, right. Yeah. And then it, exactly. Then it's like this narrative that you're trying to craft. Um, yeah, I don't know. You might need to inspire me, though. Oh come on, man. Um, well, I'm sure I have a lot. That's the thing. Like when people, I have a lot of stories, and people are like tell me a story, and I'm like, I don't know. You gotta give me a topic, and that's then so true. you know, then I I'll did, have a story. Dude, I had someone, and um, she was like, uh, "Yeah, I used to do stand up comedy," and I was like, "Oh, I've always wanted to do this. Make me laugh. Go." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the most dick thing you could do to somebody. Yeah, totally, like you have <laughs> so hard to do. <laughs> and she was like. Okay, I'll tell you my one joke, and then you'll understand why I stopped being a stand-up comedy comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and she told it, and I was like, <laughs> and it was kind of funny, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, that's the best you got. Good, good choice. <laughs> yeah. Good choice. Hey, job. Um, I don't know, man. Like, relational? You said something earlier about mushrooms, and I've been on this thing where I've had a bunch of people on who did the mm-hmm. um, ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, actually, Spencer, who posted today, went to Peru mm-hmm. and fucking tripped out on ayahuasca tea for two days. And that sure. wasn't his best first for last. Hey, he told me about the time he got fucking stuck on a mountain climbing in Iceland. And I was like, you're so fucking nuts, dude. He was like, yeah, I didn't have any gear. We were just driving around. I was like, man, that looks like a dope ass mountain. I'm going to go climb it. And my girlfriend's in the car and she had to go get help and the battery died because I was too long. And I'm like, I could have died. And she was like, but I wouldn't have been able to save you. And like, dude was stuck up there. And like the seagull inspired him. It wound up being Bob Marley. I was like, 
<laughs> you sure you weren't still up on that like ayahuasca tea, man? Yeah. We were climbing. Um, yeah. But yeah, you could do like a, a mushroom. Ex- That's a good one. Mushroom zenish yeah. thing if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big uh, I'm a big proponent of of the psychedelics. Um, beyond the cool stories that you come out with, you know, it's it's the most healing you know, thing that I've ever experienced, I think. Um, Healing as far as mentally or as far as spiritually? Like you're just feeling connected? Both. I mean, it's all the same, you know, when we, it'll, you know, it helps you pay attention, I think is one way I've said it. And so, you you know, you get on the medicine and you're like, oh my God, I've never noticed the shoulder pain before. And then you have to, it's not always comfortable. It's not fun, but you feel it more deeply. And then, you know, you can really, it's really noticeable. Everything's noticeable. You're like, oh, if your inner critic comes in, you're like, oh, I'm really hearing this voice that's telling me I'm a piece of shit right now, you know? And so it just illuminates all the things. And you, you know, as, as a culture that avoids and doesn't feel it's, it's very revealing, which is hard for people sometimes. And that's why they have quote unquote bad trips. But I think, you know, and more and more research is showing this, how, how powerful mushrooms and other psychedelics are to rewire our brain. And, you know, like the analogy I use is, you know, all of our set patterns we have in our brains are all from trauma and they're like a really well worn down path in the woods, you know, they've been cut and trampled and that's the easiest thing to do. That's a path of least resistance is to react that way, whatever that pathway is in our brain. And what the mushrooms does is it scrambles all of those and it connects all of these trails that have never been connected before. Ah. So next time we're faced with a choice, we have a little bit, it's a little bit easier to take a path of more resistance, right? Not do the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Dude, so that anyway, so that's, sense. that's my like plug for like, it's, you know, there's a lot of theories about, you know, humans getting the way we are because of mushrooms and because of psychedelics and yeah, so, seems to be at the root of our, our core in a lot of ways. And I haven't studied this, but now I'm kind of interested before we get the best first for last first time you took yeah. mushrooms when you were seven. Um, is is um would would you or have you do you know like gotta definitely wait till the brain is fully formed or like advantage if you are 15 taking this shit like it might actually help your brain develop better have you gone down that road and researched that question i i you know i i didn't start until i was an adult um i have i have friends or acquaintances that start pretty young um you know, and I don't know. I, 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 from my experience with it, this is just a total guess, pull it out. You know, I have no idea. It'd be good to research something like that, but it just seems like it's just integrating everything. Like I said, it's just reconnecting your brain mm. and kids tend to already be in that space. I would say where they're That's like free yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they don't, they already, you know, uh, spaceships are kind of like my cram. You know, like yeah, yeah. they're, no, no, they're yeah. like fucking merm- mermaids like and unicorns are real. Yeah, exactly. Dude, so it's, it's going like, to be the saddest day when my daughter. It probably wouldn't make much of a difference, you know, to be honest. But um, a great point. I just don't, I can't see it being harmful, to be honest. But who knows? Yeah. Well, because I mean, that's part of the whole pot smoking thing, right? Like don't smoke pot while you're growing up because it right. fucks your mind up. And I, 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 I've never researched the different effects of whatever THC and psychedelics and shit like that. Right, but right. it it made the your analogy made me wonder about that. Um, mm-hmm. Could it could it be helpful or an experience somehow? All right, yeah. man, let's get to it. First time you're tripping balls, 
naked, <laughs> afraid in the woods? Is this how you knew you were destined for that type of shit? You just wandered for days, was, wrestled a bear? Let's see. I think it was before all my naked afraids. And I went up to a cabin up in Michigan with my good buddies. My I had a men's group that I was a part of. And we would just be real and drink beer and talk about things and be honest and vulnerable and give each other feedback and advice. And so I had this trusted group of friends. One of them was my brother. And, um, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing and, um, (laughs) which is the best way to do anything. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, oh man, I just never have been that out of, out of my mind, out of it, whatever, you know, I was really deep, deep in the medicine and, so were my friends. We were all, you know, like four or five of us all at the same time and mostly laughing and giggling, but definitely moments of terror and panic. And, um, and for some, whatever reason, as everyone else was kind of coming down and mellowing out, you know, this is probably like two or three in the morning, (laughs) people are starting to mellow out. Um, I start going deeper into this world. Um, and just start going into this like dark, scary place, you know, we could call it my shadows or, you know, the place I didn't want to go emotionally. Mm. Um, and I just go like into this wormhole and, you know, as many people experience, I was basically like, I knew I was going to die and I had to be reborn. <laughs> and so like, How it felt you? really real. I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to die. And like, I have to do this by myself. And so I like went into this like dark corner of the room to die and <laughs> like totally felt like Armageddon happening in my body. You know, like I could see like nuclear bombs and, you know, the end of the world and death and destruction. And, and it was just like, I'm dying. And then like, it totally went blank. And then like, I remember it started with a breath and I was like a baby and I was just like, <gasps> And like, I was like my first breath, you know, like totally reborn. I could feel like amniotic fluid all over me. Like I just popped out of, you know, <laughs> a, a womb. And basically then I just like was a baby and like went through the developmental stages of becoming an adult all over again in the matter of like, you know, an hour or whatever, but yeah. it felt like eternity. And I got, I mean, it was, it was, it's hard to describe, but I I was loopy. And at one point I was convinced that I was, I thought I was in this like inception world and I was never going to get out. Basically. I thought this was my new reality. And so I decided just to like, okay, well, this is my new reality. I'm never leaving this trippy magic world. And uh, so I'll, so (laughs) I became the Joker from uh, Batman, of course. (laughs) Which, which one? cartoon Um, or real i was the heath ledger version okay Uh which was you know right at the time jesus that's the darkest fucking one too (laughs) but i was laughing and like playing jokes on everyone and i like was i uh i um sorry um i started at one point i started spitting on my brother because i thought that was funny (laughs) because i didn't think anything was real so dick um, move yeah, and luckily my brother was like totally accepting and okay. And like <laughs> knew I needed some help at the time. Um, but anyway, it was wild. And um, I know this is probably not helping people who want to do <laughs> uh, mushroom trips for healing. And uh, this is an intense version and was sort of a uh, 
renegade version, if you will, because there was no like no person holding the container and setting the space and leading a ceremony. It was just like a bunch of dudes taking big doses and seeing what happens. So, um, yeah, that was that was my favorite first. It was it was beautiful and crazy and it totally destroyed me and recreated me and it shifted my whole life ever since then. And um, it was great. Was there like a being or a presence or just like a voice that took you to the wormhole? Where you knew, like, okay, man, I got to deal with this shit or I got to die to get past this. I don't remember any, like, voice. I just, it's kind of like the thing I was talking about, just the knowing in my body. Just like, okay, this is where I got to go. So, um, a wisdom wisdom in my body or something beyond me that didn't feel foreign. It just, it was already there. Got you. Got you. And here would be my follow-up as my with my old boomer ass. Like, so you're just running in circles where you can just like text your boy and get a fucking whatever, an ounce, um, several ounces of mushrooms? Like, or are you like being sneaky walking around the mall trying to like find a cool 18-year-old to be like, yo, man, you you got any connections? <laughs> Luckily I'm not old enough that I need to go find an 18-year-old, but um no, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I feel weird answering that question. Gotcha. I don't know how to answer. Yeah, that. don't get don't 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 snitch on your boy. Well, I guess part of it too is like is is that part of the wilderness thing where like you just know like you can go for a fucking hike and you're like picking this shit up and you're like oh dude it's gonna be a good night. Daddy's coming home with the bacon. That's in the realm of that's the funny thing when they make it illegal is like oh you just made nature illegal really like yeah. you know this thing that just naturally occurs in the woods but that's what our government does. So God, that is. There are a lot of firsts. I do a lot of weird things. I, I know. I'm excited for this one. To be <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Um, okay. I have a best first. So um, having lived in Hawaii, I picked up a fun hobby of spinning fire. No way. Um, yeah. So like, you know how the, like in the, the hula dancers and stuff. And I took hula as a class in college because, wow, that was a great option. Why not, um, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they spin fire, like the fire dancers and stuff. Well, there's this thing called poi that's uh, part of like Hawaiian dancing. And it's these like round balls on a string and you spin them in like, you know, patterns and stuff. And so I had some friends I was um, that were doing like hula hooping and things like that. I like, I have a hula hoop that lights up and makes designs and I dance with it because I'm a hippie like that. <laughs> um, one of my friends had fire poi out and I'd never tried anything with fire at all. Um, but they had them on the beach one night and I was out there doing my hula hoop and this guy has these fire poi. It's like a ball on a chain the chain is like about as long as your arm and you know it's got a little thing on the end that you hold between your fingers and then you light that ball you dip it into um like kerosene or lighter fluid and then you light it on fire and it burns for like three minutes as you spin it you know and you put a song on and you kind of like dance to it with these um so i've never never seen them like in person never done it before but he had them and i was like oh shoot that's cool like (laughs) I want to spin fire. And uh, I had my friend Michelle with me and she was like, Cassie, this is a horrible idea. You are going to light yourself on fire, you know? And um, can I ask why she had so little confidence in your coordination? If you're able to hula hoop and stuff like that. 
Yeah, geez, thanks, Michelle. No, um, <laughs> I think she just she worries about me because she thinks that I have like a very small governor for like fear and danger. Oh. So you know, sometimes she like will would step in to be that for me. Yeah, um, I, I can't understand why but, she would think that about you. I haven't heard anything know, right? that would make me feel like you don't do everything in an extremely safe way. Same, same, totally same. <laughs> um. So, you know, despite her warning, I was like, I'm fine. I've got this. So like I, he taught me some like different, um, moves with it, you know, and there it's like going over your head and like around on at the other sides of your body and stuff. And he's like, yeah, that looks great. You know, I tried it with the, the poi when they were not lit on fire, um, just like the, on the strings, no fire. He's like, that looks great. You want to light them up? And I was like, Yep, let's do it. So then, yeah, my first time I ever encountered fire poi, I started spinning them. And uh, I did not light myself on fire, which was great. Um, I have since, of course, received quite a few burns, mostly on my arms from it. Because you can't drink and spin fire. Not a thing. I was a, dude, out. I um, so wanted to be like, were you white girl trashed when you went to be like, oh, yeah, I'll spin. <laughs> So the first time, no, the first time I was perfectly sober and right. actually did pretty well and like really enjoyed it. But I've since like, it's a really fun thing to break out at parties whenever everyone's kind of like sitting around and you're like, guess what? I'm too awkward to like have actual conversations with people. So I'm really good at entertaining. Here's I can little, spin fire. Here's, <laughs> here's a little boost in energy for our late night lag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone else is like chilling out, having drinks on the beach. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to light some fire things up and spin them around. Enjoy. Oh, or like, that's also part of what I would do with my hula hoop. You know, I'm like, eh, I'm like a six out of 10 on socializing, but like, I can get this hula hoop over here and make shakes with it. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I guess that's my, uh, my best first for last was my, my first experience spinning fire and, and I still do it. I still have them. Um, and like anytime I'm at a beach or in a place where it's safe to have fire, even on our property in Spain, when it's not windy out there, I can light them up and I'll, you know, spin. It's like a nice creative outlet. Do you like, do you just order these balls again on Amazon or something? Do you make them? How? I ordered them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they attach. Yeah, I ordered them from the same place that that guy did. Sorry. No, that, that's fine. Cause I'm just curious about it. And then like, how do you have any fear at all that this ball is just going to go flying off or you're completely secure in the chain that's attached to this thing? Cause I've never held one. No, they're, they're pretty sturdy. Um, so the chain goes all the way through the, uh, the like wicks is what it's called the part that actually lights on fire so it's like a big bolt that goes through that and then attaches to a chain so they're the, the chains are like pretty thick for something you spin around yeah, so right. they're they're fine they could probably hold my weight and still be okay um mostly what i worry about is getting them like tangled around me and some extremity or other oh. um i used to have like a fireproof gloves that would go all the way up my arms so i wouldn't burn myself but uh, they didn't make the trip to Europe with me, so I don't have those anymore. <laughs> and I, it's funny cause I've now I'm like almost wanted to just Google to see the typical dances or the way that they get swung so that I can understand the movements and how close you would get to burning yourself. Cause I would almost think of it just like as a jump rope, you're almost like whipping it side to side. But I'm feeling like oh, there's no, a lot like more to it. They're all around yourself, and like there are certain moves where they wrap around your arms and then unwrap. Um, 
Oh my so gosh. like you just have to make sure it's fast enough that they don't stay on there long enough to burn oh. you. Um, but it's really like a neat, I don't know, like it, it's, it's a rush, but it's also, you know, rhythmic and it's, right. it's nice. I enjoy it. Do you remember the song that was playing the first time that you had your poi dance? Gosh, you know what? I don't. I think it was kind of like some like house music, you know, it was one of those like, like more of a, a rhythmic yeah, type yeah. of music. Get it wasn't like chance. a Hawaiian song. Um, it was just like a some sort of like bassy thing, right. like well, electric. <laughs> dude, yeah, no. As soon as you said "Spinning Fire," I'm like, I could just see people like tripping on ecstasy in some German club, like a rave with the glow sticks. <laughs> yeah. You know how they just start spinning like that? I'm like, I'm picturing that, but like white girl trashed on the Hawaiian beach. <laughs> not not like, that you were. But yeah, <laughs> if if I were more into drugs, I would have for sure gone to like Burning Man and done it or something. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's right along those like lines. Yeah. I'd say my best first was our first investigation at the Ma Barker House, um, and that was first for a couple of reasons because we were that was the first time we were in the house, and we were the first paranormal team allowed to go into the house. And again, this was a house that's located in Oklahoma, Florida. And uh, it was the site of the 1935 shootout between the FBI and the Barker Carpus gang. And so for me to be able to be the first investigative team to go in there and actually find what I feel is very compelling, unexplainable evidence, um, that is my best first. Did I? And I want you to tell a story, but I feel like you probably were in the middle of telling me one at the Ma Barker and I cut you off because I'm looking. I don't think I let you get into that. We, we, we delved into it a little yeah, bit with the spirit burn, box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we delved into it a little bit with the spirit box, but um, you know, like I said, this yeah. was the shootout between the the FBI and the Ma Barker gang, and it was it is still the longest shootout in FBI history. It lasted over four and a half hours, and over two thousand rounds were fired between the two. Um, so inside the house were Ma Barker and her son Fred, uh, part of the again the Barker Carpus gang, which was the most ruthless gang in the nineteen twenties and the nineteen thirties. And so the FBI tracked them down to this house, which they had been renting. Uh, they rented it in nineteen thirty four. The shootout was in January sixteenth of nineteen thirty five. Um, so they, there was a shootout. Uh, the uh, Ma and Fred were killed, and uh, the house it was actually a vacation home of this family, <laughs> and they maintained that vacation home after the shootout. They maintained it as it was the day of the shootout. So currently, you walk in and there's bullet holes um, through the walls. There are <laughs> there are rocking chairs and and couches and chair backs that have bullet holes in them, and that you can line up um, and put them in in front of the walls and and find out where those bullets came through. So it's a fascinating. Oh. Location. Yeah, How did you get access to that? So the family still owns it? Well, they owned it up until 2016 when they decided that they wanted to sell the land in the house. Um, the, the owner who purchased it did not want the house. He was going to demolish it. I bet. So, I, I fucking so, would too. <laughs> so actually, Marion County, Florida actually said, uh, you know, we will take the house. So what they did is they put it on a barge and they floated it across Lake Weir. They floated it two and a half miles across the lake and they put it in the Carney Island Recreation um, Park in uh in marion county and so they set it on about 40 acres of of land of vacant land that they had and right now it's sitting vacant there's no power to it or anything like that they are trying to raise funds to make it into a museum um but right now obviously with with what's going on they have there's not a lot of people who can access it right now um 
So what, what I did was because I'm from the area, I went to Marion County after they moved it. And I said, will you please, this is what I do. This is who I am. Will you please, will you please allow my team to be the first to investigate it? And they said, sure. They were very accommodating, uh, very willing to let us in and give us access. And so we went in and actually did a two part investigation. The first part was actually on the anniversary of the shootout. And we captured some very compelling evidence there. And then we went back a week later and actually did a full scale investigation and again, found some very compelling evidence uh, to indicate that the spirits of Ma and Fred Barker, we believe, are still in the house. And, and uh, so that was what that was, was the evidence first. aside from the because and that's exactly what happened. I got questioned about that, and it's amazing how conversations go that way, right? Like you were telling me about Ma Barker, I asked a question about Spirit Box, and then literally an hour and forty five minutes later, we're back to it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, what um, else did you find? Uh, well, aside from that spirit box conversation, we had another one and part, uh, a member of the gang was named Alvin Carpus and he was never in the house, but he was very, uh, instrumental in the gang. But, uh, so we were again doing that spirit box and I said, Alvin, are you here? And the spirit box said, Alvin Carpus. I never said oh. the last name Carpus. I just said Alvin. So the spirit box said Alvin Carpus. And then we had several EVPs that we captured that night. And we also have another piece of equipment called a REM pod. And what it does is, is it measures electromagnetic energy similar to the K2, but it also has an audible alarm. So when, uh, uh an, when it senses energy anywhere from a, from a, a 30, like a one foot radius, um, it will alarm. Huh. And so we're actually having, a, a, essentially a dialogue saying, Fred, if you're here, can you set off the REM pod, the REM pod alarmed? Were you killed in this room? The REM pod alarmed. Is Ma here? The REM pod alarmed. Um, so like I said before with the K2, if there's energy in the house, which there's not, if there's power to the house, the, the, the alarm would stay constant. So if I put the REM pod on a microwave, uh, the alarm would be a constant alarm. Right. But because it's being manipulated by an energy that I, I don't know where it's coming from, the back and forth that we had was very compelling to me. So again, that would be my, my best first. I bet dude, the guts, I, I cannot get over the bravado and may, maybe <laughs> bravado is the wrong word on the anniversary of the shooting mm-hmm. that, you know, that really leads to the question, does, do the spirits abide in time? So if they mm-hmm. abide in location, cause clearly they wanted to stay with the house, not the land, right. then like, but you think of eternity, what is an eternity? I thought in like its meaning, like timeless. It just goes on, right? Time doesn't matter in eternity. But right. the spirits would actually care about an anniversary is an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a lot of places, like you know, places where murders happened, uh, the anniversary for paranormal investigators, the anniversary of that date is 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 kind of a compelling date. And so, yeah, we 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 researched it. We wanted to be there on the anniversary of the shootout. Um, and that night, what we did is so the shootout happened on January sixteenth, and it started about five thirty in the morning, um, and that was in nineteen thirty five. So on January fifteenth of last year, we put all of our equipment, stationary equipment, in the house, and we we left it. We left and left all of that equipment running, oh. and it encompassed the time um, that that this shootout would have happened eighty four years prior. So uh, that for me, I wanted to do that that way because I wanted to see if there was any residual um, hauntings in the house. Right. And we got an intelligent. We got a couple of intelligent responses in that there was a male voice saying "Get out!" <laughs> Again, nobody's in the house. And then um, at about the approximate time the shootout would have happened, one of our voice or one of our cameras 
caught two EVPs. Um, one, the first one says Freddie. The second one says, yeah, ma. And the, the first one again says, get ready. So for me, oh I think that's, God. for me, that's a residual and that's something that's going to happen. It's like a blip in time. I do believe that that's what was said before the shootout happened. Um, and, and that is something that's a residual haunting. It's something that's kind of in the air, if you will, like that record that we talked about. Yeah. yeah right. So if, and I'm sorry, uh, cause I was just picturing the story in my mind. Did you say you did that this past year or have you been back to see if it is residual, like a timestamp? Uh, it was, it was in, uh, 2019 was the, when we did the investigation and I actually, because I'm so fascinated with the house, I became a volunteer and a docent at the house. So I'm there, I'm there frequently, um, until COVID hit, I was giving tours, you know, twice a week at the house. Oh my. Um, so I'm, I'm there quite frequently and I've had, you know, other instances, I'll take a voice recorder in and I'll just sit in there and I've had other instances as well of, of hearing voices, uh, catching them on the voice recorder. Um, you know, we heard footsteps that first night so i do hear, hear those uh so yeah it's it, it, to me i love the house i love the history behind it um it, it's just a very cool place to be because you do have that feeling of stepping back into 1935 because the furniture was the furniture that was there during the shirt the shootout you still have the bullet holes so it's a very cool place for me to be actually man were they tipped off no. So, um, so what happened was, like I said, in 1934, they rented the house because J. Edgar Hoover was pretty hot on their heels of the gang. So the gang had several members, but Ma and her one son, Freddie, came down to Florida. And uh, so they rented the house in 1934, in, in November of 1934. And uh, J. Edgar Hoover caught her other son in Chicago. And as the FBI was rifling through his files and his paperwork, he found a letter that Ma had written him um, from Florida that says, hey, we got this lake house and your brother is hunting this alligator named Big Joe. And that's all that all that it said. So they, they came the FBI came down to Florida in January of nineteen thirty five and they found they looked for all the lakes in central Florida that had an alligator named Big Joe. So they, they talked to alligator trappers. And so they found two. One, the alligator had already been killed, so they went to this one at Lake Weir. The alligator trapper said, yeah, there's an alligator named Big Joe here. And so the FBI agents got into some boats and they were just kind of, you know, boating around and, and looking for any vacation homes where somebody like Fred and Ma would stay. Right. They ended up ascertaining that they were in this house. And so on the morning of January 16th, 1935, they were able to surround the house. A dozen agents surrounded the house. Uh, they yelled for Ma and Fred to come out and the oh. response was gunfire. Got you. Yeah. God. So they, they had not been tipped off. And did any um, FBI agents die? No. Okay. No, none of them died. Um, and uh, it's, it's like I said, it's just a very fascinating story because of all the notes and everything that the FBI did take down um, and the, the, the pictures and the stories behind just the, the Barker Carpus gang itself and how ruthless it was and how, you know, J. Edgar Hoover really um, was on their trail and, and just tracking them down to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is, is, is as small as it sounds. It's, it's literally a one stoplight town. And for, you know, several weeks in 1935, it was in the national spotlight. So that's kind of a, a cool history there. <laughs> when you were telling me about the letter of the um, brother hunting Big Joe the alligator, I like almost assumed it was code for something. Do you <laughs> no, know what I'm saying? Actually, like you would yeah. anticipate that your mail's getting read or whatever. And God, what? Oh, they deserve to get down. They deserve to be found if they're going to be like that. I'm sorry. 
to speak yeah poorly. no he was actually out um, the, you know the neighbors would hear him every now and then with a tommy gun trying to shoot this alligator uh, <laughs> so yeah it was a, it was a thing he was trying to kill the alligator named big joe <laughs> dude that's awesome okay well um I guess since uh, this visit kind of centered around candy, I will go to uh, the first time, um, not really the first time I, I mean, yes, the first time I ever did drag. I did drag once in, um, I think as a freshman in high school. And when I lived in the middle of, I, I mean, I didn't live in the middle of, I lived in a I lived in the middle of nowhere. I lived um, in between a small town and a teeny tiny town. And, um, and I went to school in the teeny tiny town and that was during uh, junior high and freshman year of high school. And I strangely did drag one time um, and went to school on Halloween, but I wore one of my mom's dresses and a wig that a friend had. And, um, and then my mom ended up, being home when I came home from school and saw me walking home in her dress. Oh, so but that is not the story that I want to tell. Gotcha. Uh, that, that is a, that is a story, but I would rather tell the story of kind of the first time I really did drag in earnest, which was with Jesse who came and met me in, uh, in Europe, Jesse June. And, um, the, Two of us were roommates at the time, and um, I was, I believe, a sophomore. I was in my, like, second, maybe third year of college. Um, We were both in art school. She was a fashion major, and I was a drawing and painting major. And um, I was part of the LGBT uh, group on campus, and they had a, a... a charity drag show and Jesse and I were just weird. I don't know. We (laughs) love to drive around in and like talk in weird voices and stuff. And we had been entertainers, man. Entertainers. What's that? Yeah, exactly. That's what you do. And, um, we'd been driving around and talking in these like women's country voices. (laughs) And, um, she, she's from Indianapolis and I'm from Texas. I'm from the South and, or Texas isn't really the South, but you know, Texas. And, uh, and so we both had like those kind of country origins. There's, there's some country sounding people in Indianapolis yeah. and, um, which I didn't realize. I thought they were all in the South, but so we had these characters, Portia and Jolene, and we worked at this um, convenience store together and we just kind of started building these characters. And, um, <laughs> and it, and it was like the day of the contest. And we just, it wasn't like something that we were like, Ooh, let's do this thing. It was like the day of, we were like, Hey, let's take these characters and let's be in the drag show. So and just um, improv off of it. Exactly. And so oh we went, God. we had these wigs, and we went to the thrift store and we bought these like really ridiculous eighties dresses that we thought like fit the two characters. <laughs> and, um, and then we, Jesse had also been um, learning the keyboard, like learning to play music, which would end up, um, you know, I ended up learning the keyboard late and then being a musician. Um, so this was like kind of the, the, the birth of all of that. And, um, anyway, we sang 
if I'm not mistaken, we sang Beat It by Michael Jackson, only it was a ballad and it was just penis was the, uh, was the chorus. <laughs> and with her playing the, um, with the keyboard on stage and with these like big glasses and we both had mullets, hers was white and mine was red. I was Jolene and she was Portia. And, um, and it was almost like it was a church song, but it was um, beat it and it was slow, but with like that kind of like a church organ kind of like accompaniment. Please give me a penis. little bit of the chorus, please. Please. I mean, uh, can I you, ask? You can hear it in your head. Penis, penis. I mean, yeah, open up no, your that, mouth and eat it. I'm assuming. That's I, what I, I was really, wondering. I really what, don't what follows remember. it? Oh. I honestly, I honestly don't remember. But I do remember that we won the charity drag show. How could you not? And, oh yeah, God. and Portia and Jolene actually were my. Um, that was my intro to drag, and we played. Um, we we wrote a bunch of songs. Um, not parodies for the most part. We wrote a bunch of originals that I have no recordings of and don't even remember now. Uh, I remember one that we wrote reading a Terrence McKenna book about um, a, a book called Food of the Gods. And it was talking about um, marijuana and like all the different terms for marijuana. And it was like the, like a page long paragraph. And so we had one song that was just basically reading all of these names for pot. Love it. Like, giggle smoke and you know just like all these crazy terms from the 40s and whatever but um but yes uh that is my that was my first and that and Portia and Jolene later led to me being in She Dick which I didn't even talk about but it was a drag band that I was in um that I ended up taking to New York and uh, and then New York was kind of where Candy really found her footing, and then she became part of the Mary Jo Camel show, and then she came to Hawaii, and the rest is history. She's got a TV show. Ah, uh, see, you were all primed, and I fucked it up. Now you're overthinking it. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I had uh, an idea of one uh, that I wanted to tell you about. So you found me on Instagram under my handle Operator Gator. I wanted to get and, into that. Yeah. So operator <laughs> came from, you know, the special operations operator. Uh, and the Gator was a nick, another nickname that I picked up actually when I was working at um, after the military and after contracting. And it was when I was working at the motorcycle shop. Um, I had told a story to my coworkers and basically became Gator from then on for them. <laughs> <coughs> because? Because I had this dog, um, he was like a son to me, basically. He was like the, the holdover from my divorce. And uh, so I'd gotten out of the military, um, gone through some health things, and uh, ended up getting a divorce, like a lot of military dudes do. And um, moving, like I moved somewhere, had some family issues. And then the, the one like solid structure through the whole thing was my Doberman, Koenig. And, uh, I do not like where this is going, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. He was like five years old at the time. So I expected, you know, he's going to live to nine to 11 years old is generally what like the purebred lifeline would normally be. Um, and, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we went on a trip to Mexico for a wedding and we came back and, uh, her parents had been watching Koenig and he had had this cough and they're like, yeah, he just started coughing like a couple of days ago. 
And I figured it'd be like a worst case scenario, heartworm or like a kennel cough or something like that. Mm. And we took him to the vet and immediately they were like, no, it's a uh, heart disease. Like it happens to some of these, this, the purebred where they get a dilated heart, um, just genetics. It's like one of the main genetic diseases that they have. So if you have a Doberman or any, any breed like that, you got to watch out for like the, the line that they breed them from because it, it comes from, you know, the parents and, uh, oh. They're like, he only has like a couple weeks to a couple months unless we put him on this special medicine that you can get. It's really expensive, but it can extend his life up to a year uh, or more. And so we opted for that. And we started taking him to a specialist, a lot of money. Dude, and that, initially... And just, to, j- just to pause you for a, a point of empathy, I've known so many people. I, I really wonder, like, as a society, we milk the fuck out of healthcare for people. It's yeah. so fucked up in America, how we treat people with healthcare. Yeah. We have PETA and all these people. How have animals with the costs not somehow been included if you're fortunate enough to have a job with benefits? Why can't you throw family animal in on my benefits, get yeah, the vets paid through the insurance companies and whatever, you pay an extra 15, 20 bucks a month? Because between all the medications that people get surprised with, most yeah. people are put in a fucked up position of, this is a family member to us. Yeah. Is it worth uh, going in debt or taking away from my children to keep yep. my dog alive that matters yeah. so much? Like people, should I take away from my retirement contributions? Like yep. people are put in that position and it's it's a horrible position to be in. I agree, yeah. It's tough. That was definitely an angle for me because of, you know, I, I treated him. I mean, it's not, there's plenty of people out there with kids. I don't have kids, but, you know, I, I understand um, I don't have that, that feeling or attachment that they have, but I see it in them. And, uh, I had something similar, you know, Dude, not it's, exactly. It's, it's right there. No, on, it's honestly, similar. it's with people, especially people that I know who do not have children, but have an animal. Yeah. It, it's right about there, man. I mean, you're yeah. not worried about like your dog goes and impregnates some bitch. You're like, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Like you're like, uh, me, if that's my son, I don't have a son, I have a daughter. But if my daughter yeah. was impregnated by somebody, like, uh-huh. there's issues. Me, yeah. I'm like, oh, puppies, it's a dog, yeah. right? Like, I'm not saying that with my daughter, so there's levels. But yeah, the absolutely. emotional attachment, the experience, the care, the yeah. I've raised you from birth, basically, as a puppy. I did not birth you. Like, yeah. all that emotional attachment and camaraderie is there. It, it really is, man. It's, it's something that, um, I, again, a, a great first world problem to have. But yep. some fucking senator needs to have like the pet insurance bill to right. help to Amen. help for yeah. scenarios like this, dude. Because people shouldn't have to just like you shouldn't have to with like a grandmother who needed extra medication. You shouldn't have to exactly. with an animal that needs it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's changing slowly. Like you can you can buy private you know you can buy private health yeah, uh, but it's, vet insurance and stuff, but it's nothing like it's so fucking expensive, man. Yeah. I know people who have dealt with their dogs having <clears throat> seizures. And yep. it's six, $700 a month where people can have insurance and get their gallbladder removed and it's a $200 copay. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what the fuck are we missing, man? Yep. <laughs> like a vet's yeah. a doctor. Shouldn't they kind of be covered under that umbrella? Um, I agree. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's man. a good I'm, point. Yeah, I just, I just, I, that, that pain of having to make that choice, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, emphasize or empathize. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> sure, compa- be right. compassionate. Words there. <laughs> be compassionate towards it because yeah. it's a fucked up position to be in. Yeah, I appreciate that because I mean, that really, that really highlights like the, the feeling I had going into it because initially, 
you know, we were paying, we were probably, I think we ended up, you know, in the realm of thousands of dollars a month, um, keeping him going. And it would have been fucked up if he was in pain, like the whole time and just like suffering, like there would have been no point yeah. in doing that. Um, and, and that was actually kind of what was, he had, he was doing all right, but there was still his, like the medication wasn't dialed in yet, I guess. So initially he just wasn't feeling good. And that, this was like October into November of 2015. And then, um, we had gone to the vet and then it was more like, Oh, he's not doing that great. Okay. we'll we'll pump up his meds and see how he's doing. But the vet's basically like telling you like, well, I mean, if this doesn't work, then, you know, you guys need to, they're in the same mindset, you know, they don't want to see him suffer either. So it might be time to, to put him down. And, um, so I was feeling bad. It was a Friday. Um, my girlfriend had just gotten off of work and we had gone to the vet and on the way back from the vet, we're stopping by target. Um, and I live in Florida in central Florida. So it's swamps out here. And, um, there's everywhere there's a body of water and in every body of water, there's an alligator and, um, at least one. <laughs> and, uh, so we stopped by target so that she can go in and get a, a gift for white elephant. Cause we're going to go to her work, um, Christmas party. I think it's the very beginning of December, December 4th or 5th. And, um, just a week before I'd been in out in the Midwest visiting my mom for Thanksgiving. And while we were there, she, we had gone through a conversation of how uh, we had just visited a friend at their lake house and we were swimming in the lake. And she's like, what are you doing swimming in the lake? Aren't there alligators everywhere? Like, yeah, there's alligators in every, in every water, but they leave you alone. You know what I mean? Unless like there's specific lakes you don't go into because they're just over, overpopulated with gators. But you know, for the most part, if you make up enough noise and stuff and you don't go into their nests or whatever, they'll leave you alone. Like they're not gonna, is that a trick? Cause they're just not that hungry where they're having to, there's enough natural resources to sustain them where they don't have to go after something so large. Absolutely. Yeah. And they have like alligators have this sense uh, and I'm not exactly sure how it works, but they can tell how big something is and whether or not it's worth going after if they're big enough to go after it. Gotcha. So if it's like less than six feet, like it's not gonna, you know, it's not going to do anything to you. And so we we're having this conversation with my mom and, uh, and I'm like, no alligators leave you alone. Um, and something about that kind of like stuck in my mind and I flew home on some and, uh, walked Koenig, walked the dog. My brother had been watching him, I think. And then he loved playing in the water. Like we always took him down to like a, a river or a retention pond or whatever. And he'd splash around and, and play. So as I'm walking him, I take him down to the water like he loves to do. But now that he's sick, he kind of just sits in the water and kind of cools off. Shit. And there was just something about it. I was sitting there thinking about it. And I was like, man, it just doesn't look right. Like, what about is it like not right? It just one of it breaks my heart because he's not having fun. Yeah. Other thing is like, he's just not like acting like himself. He's not like he's just he almost looks like prey, you know, just sitting there like miserable and like defeated. And um, chum. Yeah. So <laughs> the rest of the, so I, I like made sure that I was close to the water's edge. Like in case anything happens, like I'll grab them, you know, like worst case scenario, but I don't really think anything's going to happen because you just make a little bit of noise and alligators will run away basically. Cause they, really? you know, they're, they're worried about their own safety too. They're not oh. just going to sit there. 
So every once in a while, if they're, nor- if they're used to people, like you go out on a trail that a lot of people walk across, you can get pretty close to them and they won't skitter away. Okay. But for the most part, like a wild alligator, like you come anywhere nearby and you're yeah. making noise, it'll jump in the water and take off. Like it doesn't want to get attacked. Dude, deer. So Delaware is known for deer. Um, same thing. We got state parks where you're not allowed to hunt deer and they'll, I, I've heard it's like moose at, um, <laughs> moose or bears at like state parks out West, like in Montana, where they'll just like come up towards food sources. Oh, yeah. Deers yeah. don't give a fuck when they know they can't be shot, but dude, you come across a deer and they catch your scent and you're yeah. whatever, 500 yards away. They're gone. Just gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't know alligators acted the same way. I thought they were more predatorial. Yeah, I mean they they are, but um, there's just something there's just something about the the noise. It's like a vibration that they pick up on, and uh, I think that they just like rather safe than sorry. So if they're exposed, like up on the bank, they'll jump right into the water. They hear you coming, Uh, and then they'll get down into where they're safe at. You know, down in the in the water or something like that. That makes sense. At least that's that's that was my experience, especially when I was mountain biking. I'd mountain bike down the trail, and then I'd hear this big splash. I could see him at first, and then they'd jump. Um, happened to one of my coworkers. He he used to kayak a lot, and he was kayaking <laughs> down the shit, river. Dude, I and he said, "No lie, he had a gator like jump over him because he was coming down the river, and the gator heard him, and it was like, and it you know it thinks it's safe spots the water, and it literally almost jumped like over him coming into the water. He didn't know." That's like where he was coming from. From the <laughs> land to the water, not water yeah. to water, not like a dolphin. Oh, no, not like a dolphin. Okay, no. dude, but- at first I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> they're going to take over the world. <laughs> the fucking Sharknado. Salt- gonna be- <laughs> Have you seen the saltwater crocs, though? The come straight up out of the water? No. They can get their whole body out with their tail. So they'll come up like that, and then like their tail will keep them almost suspended, oh, similar to how like a whale shit. will come up out of the water. Yeah, right, but they're not pushing against the floor they're actually no, like they're... moving it back and forth in order to propel yeah yeah Holy I-, I haven't shit. seen it i haven't seen a florida alligator do that but a saltwater crocodile and um i saw i think it was a video from uh, australia do they but do australia... it to like creep under so i'm thinking of like a shark snatching up on a seagull but yeah. that doesn't make sense for a crocodile because they tend to be floaters do you know it why? was uh so there's this video of um He's holding the chum. It's obviously a, a croc that they've been feeding. Oh. And, uh, they, you know, they did it for their boat tour. Gotcha. And they're holding it on like a line. And then it comes. It's probably coming out like this. But then when it sees the, the food above it uh-huh. and it turns like this, it probably drops its tail down and then whips it up. It. And it, it literally, like it was out of the water. Like its tail, you could see half of its tail. Straight perpendicular. It. It's pretty wicked. Yeah, dude, I had no idea they could do that. Like, you don't think about that because you think crocodile death roll, like in a real basic novice way, right? Like, yeah. keep the jaw clenched. <laughs> the crocodile yeah. tries yeah. to take you for a death yeah. roll, you know? Yeah. And like, that's the, those are two basic things. You don't think of them. I've heard they're sneaky fast, though, on land. Yeah. Like, they can. So they can be, they don't have, so there was always a rumor from growing up that they could sprint up to like 30 miles per hour or something. So, like, you thought you were safe if you were like, 50 feet away from them, but then they could close the distance. Right. That's not, that's not necessary. That's not true. Like okay. they can, they can move pretty quick, but they generally don't. It's usually from the water to the land that they'll be really fast oh, and then okay. they'll go back into the water. But once they're on land, they don't tend to chase anybody down. Gotcha. Cause their safe spots, the water, that's their advantage. Yeah, exactly. So that's where they're going. Yeah. And, and, and they makes... can use their, 
they use their tail to propel them forward in the water so they get the extra burst of speed. Whereas on land, they just have their four legs. They're not really moving that fast. T Rexes, man. Yeah, they got. You know, they like got can't legs. even wipe their asses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pit pattern. Yeah, they can climb though. They cl- they'll climb fences and stuff with those little legs. No shit. Is, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, up I to like six feet tall or something like that. I've heard. I've not. Jesus, never heard. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have those problems, man. Because I've heard of like people in Florida with fucking alligators. Like you wake up and all of a sudden one's in your pool. Yep. And it's like yeah, you just call. That. You just call whatever. I guess yep. there's a number. And it's yeah, like yeah. There's a there's animal rescues and there there's private ones. Private ones will come and do it for free. Um, government ones that are supposed to do it, you know, as their job and stuff. Um, it's not as big here in Central Florida, uh, but it's huge down in South Florida. Gotcha. They definitely they have a lot a lot of gators running i mean we i guess it's relative we have a lot too it just depends um so uh yeah i totally diverted you man to give me a alligator education so yeah your I, dog i I, th- I think i know where the story's going your poor fucking doberman sitting on the bank looking yep. like prey yeah we were at, so it was that friday afternoon uh i was in target i was walking the dog i was like oh i'm gonna walk him while she's inside because it's like He's miserable. Hey, there's a lake right next. I'm going to go walk around this lake. So I'm walking around the lake with him. We actually have to break brush to get into it. Like it, it, they obviously had grown on purpose. Um, but they left the trees and the underbrush and everything up uh, around it. So instead of having a fence, they had like a natural fence yeah. around it. But I don't care about that sort of stuff because I'm a knucklehead. And uh, <laughs> so I walk Koenig in there through the brush and uh, he goes and sits in the water and um, and I remember thinking, like, remarking on it in my head, like, oh, this place is, like, a lot different than a normal retention pond, you know, man-made one. Like, this looks relatively wild. You know, it's pretty big. There's a bunch of trees around it, big big brown water, like, and it's windy out, so it's kind of the waves are rippling a little bit. And, uh, again, he starts sitting in the water, so I crouch down close to him, and one of the mistakes I made was I didn't know, I didn't make any noise, I guess, when I was creeping uh... over Cause I was just in such a somber mood. Like I was kind of, we were both like feeling kind of miserable. Fuck yeah. And, uh, normally, normally I'd walk up to the water and be like, wow, you know, make noise, whatever, just in case, you know, to be sure. And, um, as I'm sitting there crouched down right next to the shore and looking at my dog, um, I think I'd taken the leash off of him. So he didn't have his collar on or anything. I'd set that down next to me. And I just remember a splash, like a big splash. And kind of a yelp, like a dog yelp, like Hip! yeah. And then he was, and then he was gone. I didn't see anything. Um, and uh, I don't think I thought anything at that point. I just kind of reacted. So I just jumped into the water, and it was up to my thighs at least. So it might have been man-made at one point because when they man-make it, you know, they, they tend to have steep shores. Uh-huh. instead of being like real gradual like yeah. an actual lake like erosion because erosion yeah. didn't do it it was a fucking bulldozer exactly yeah, yeah. so i think it was it must have been relatively steep so it went from deep to shallow really quick because when i jumped in i felt pretty deep um up to my leg reaching in water, and i was trying to grab my dog just to grab him pull him back or like i wasn't really thinking very much at the time so i was just grabbing for anything and i remember feeling scales like feeling something hard when I went underneath and, and I latched onto it, and pulled. And when I pulled, um, like I was, can't remember how I was oriented. I think I was oriented away from shore 
Yeah, I had to have been. And when uh, when I pulled, all I remember was being on my ass. Like, I don't remember getting tripped. But I think what happened was the gator was facing um, parallel to shore because my dog had been like this. And I think it came up and grabbed him and pulled him under uh, parallel to me. Mm-hmm. And when I jumped in, I was facing him and I had reached down like this. I had turned my upper body sideways and reached in and felt that and pulled. And when I did that, I think it freaked the gator out and he turned on me like he turned 90 degrees and whipped me with his tail. And I think he scratched my hand because I have a scar. I I had a big cut that went across my hand right here. Um, And um, the next thing I know, I'm looking, I'm sitting on my ass against the shore, kind of in the water a little bit. And my left leg is in the alligator's mouth, like just across it like that, you know? parallel to it like my it, my um leg was uh like inverted you know like if you're if you're sitting indian style yeah i was kind of sitting indian style and my left leg was in his mouth like and this alligator is just looking at me with his little eyes i remember like burned into my brain and i'm just like what the fuck and I, the whole time i'd like i kind of lost my mind i think a little bit because i was yelling the whole time so if anyone was nearby they would have heard me and being like someone's being murdered because <laughs> i was just like ah! like that no and just screaming like when i initially jumped in to like grab my dog to grab koenig i was yelling um let him go like, like he understands english dude where yeah. is koenig is koenig on the shore do you know where your dog is or you got no idea at this point so yeah once i saw the alligator like with my leg in his mouth i had i i, I hadn't like you know surveyed the air or anything mm-hmm. all i started doing was like dropping hammer fists yeah on the top of the alligator's head like i feel like it was around where his eyes were but i don't really know it wasn't very like accurate and i probably got off like three or four and it felt like kind of like an eternity and um it to me it felt like you know when like the little kids have the little tyco like uh air hammer that they're hitting like it goes <laughs> boop, 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 boop. that's what i felt like i was doing yeah like, i was like boop, whack-a-mole boop, around these boop. parts you yeah. get the big ass not hammer really, not really doing anything to this alligator <laughs> and they're um, fucking dinosaurs man they're not worried about yeah. you you bipedal yeah, he didn't care at all he didn't care that i was smacking him in the face and so, like, I was just like, okay, I, I don't want to be in the water anymore. Like, I want to get away from him. I didn't really think it was going to work, but I rolled f- from my butt and back to my right side, like, basically onto my chest and just was trying to scramble up the shore. And your foot's and, still, or your leg's still in the alligators? Yeah, and my my leg is still in the alligator's mouth, so I thought I was going to have to, like, yank it out of his mouth, you know, try and do something to get it, get it back. I was like, I just need my leg back, you know, <laughs> please. <laughs> And as soon as, uh, as soon as I'm Wait, on my, I'm, I'm sorry, you didn't try to de-escalate the situation in order to keep the alligator safe to help him realize that he didn't have the type of prey that he had originally anticipated. Listen, Mr. Gator, listen, I'm not the food you want. <laughs> Sir, if we can just come to a mutual understanding about both of our desires, I do have exceptional credit and Target has a bounty <laughs> of raw There's meat. Tons of meat in Target. You're, I mean, you're, we're right next door. I'll just go get you some. <laughs> that would have been the woke. That, that would have been the woke thing to do, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what cut do you want, man? I'll get you a nice London broil, you know, a T-bone. But the next time you do this, motherfucker. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> Chicken gizzards. That's it. <laughs> 
And you know what? Non-processed, not even organic. I'm getting store-bought yogurt for you. That's right. <laughs> That's so stupid. I don't even know if your dog's safe at this point. I'm cracking jokes. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be able to tell this story the same way if he was... Uh, I'm hoping so. I was so fucking hoping so. Because sometimes I go out on a ledge and I'm like, Jesus. Sorry, not to be a spoiler. I'm sorry. So, yeah, so as I'm like pull, scrambling up the, the shore, like the sandy... And it's not really sandy. I guess it's just dirt shore. Like I'm pulling myself up and I feel like I'm getting farther away from the water than I thought I would be. Like I, cause you know, I'm dragging an alligator with me. Yeah. So I turn around to look back and it's not there. It's just completely silence, like gone. That's and, weird. uh, like just overwhelmed with relief, like unbelievable. Um, so the first thing I do is, uh, stand up i think i think i stand up first and and when i did like i had like this weird thought in my head like you're gonna stand up and then you're gonna fall over because your legs snapped in half so why are you standing up but i still did it and then i looked down at my leg and i was wearing trousers like uh not chinos but some kind of slacks i was wearing slacks and they were um first of all i was like soaking wet but then uh the left leg was like in tatters like i could see through the, the shredded um, pants. And I actually, I was just like, okay, let's make sure it's not bleeding out of control. Obviously it's not broken because I'm putting weight on it. Um, but let's make sure that it's not like arterial bleeding because I'm a medic and yeah. I have a tourniquet. I have a tourniquet in the car and I'm going to go get the tourniquet and put it on my leg. Those are the first things I'm thinking about. And then I look in there and I don't see um, bright red bleeding. I just see a little bit of like dark red oozing. So I know I'm good for the time being. And this probably took like half a second and then I look up and, and I see Koenig sitting there on shore, like looking at me like, what the fuck, yo? Like, what was that all about? And you're like, I thought you had one job, Koenig. Keep me safe. <laughs> Bro, you're supposed to job. protect me. No doubt. <laughs> fucking Doberman? Doberman's not like you're, you're a chihuahua. <laughs> like, first, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing was unbelievable. I'm like, first of all, you're a big dog. Like, what kind of fucking alligator is going to attack a big dog? Um, I, I mean, how big do you think the gator was? I say, I always say is between six to eight feet. And when I look at like a six foot gator, I feel like that's too small. But then I look at like an eight foot gator, I'm not really sure. It's hard to, it's hard to tell, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't a baby. That's for sure. Is there any sort of like bite mark radius? Yeah. Do you know so, what I'm saying? Uh, like to gauge size? You can see the teeth marks in my leg, like on where, you know, the width of the jaw. Right. And it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's relatively wide. Um, so like when you look at alligator's head, they tend to grow out longer. Uh, they do get wider as they get older uh, okay. and bigger, but as they get bigger, they tend to get longer, mostly gotcha. not necessarily wider. Like, so at a certain point, they're only so wide. Gosh. Yeah. But even based off of that, I still think like, there's no way it was below six feet. So God, I want to assume, yeah, it was it was it was pretty fucking big. Like it wasn't it wasn't a small gator, but then it wasn't like massive to where it like bit my leg off and just took off with it. You yeah, know, because I've always thought it's almost like the Rottweiler syndrome. When they bite, they don't bite and hold. I thought they bite, they bit and like shook. Yeah, so do they kind of do. Saying? Yeah, so they bite and then um, they'll drag the prey underwater and then like spin it and disorient it. Oh, that's and the death they, roll. That's, yeah, and then they then they uh, hold on to it, and then they hold on to it and drown it. That makes sense. So they don't want to bite and just rip off 
whatever. Yeah. Like they're not trying to like rip off your calf like a chicken wing. They they're actually want to bite to hold you. Yep. So they don't want to. Unlike a dog. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yep. Got you. Okay. I was all fucked up on that. Yeah. So when I so when I went up to like I immediately walked up to him and I'm looking him over. He's all soaking wet, but <laughs> I don't I don't see any bite marks anywhere. And he's standing on all four legs and he seems like pretty good. Like there doesn't really seem to be anything wrong with them but you know i'm not 100 percent. dogs have loose skin so you know like if they especially around their necks and stuff so like if another animal like latches on that loose skin is a protection you know so that it'll bite and pull okay. that gotcha. but not necessarily injure you know anything underneath um so i know there's potentially something wrong with them but i'm not exactly sure and we've got a little bit of a a, a hike back to get to my car so not really that far but now my leg now I start to feel it. Like there's some pain in my leg and um, it feels like it just got smashed. Like I don't, there's no other explanation other than like a, a crushing feeling. Like someone probably hit it with like a baseball bat. Maybe that's yeah. like the best. Again, how, what percent of people can relate to that feeling? Yeah. I think it might be less than before. <laughs> right, like, I'm thinking to myself, like fucking how many like tough guys, how many goons have been sitting there firing an Uzi at someone when they drive the car and pin them between the building and the hood, yes. right? Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what's the percent? I don't know, probably less than one. Yeah, probably less than one. <laughs> yeah, right? That's what, I, that's what I was thinking as I'm, like, hobbling back to the uh, car with uh, Kuning was next to me. And um, I, I, I remember I didn't have my leash with me. He was just walking next to me. And I'd just completely forgotten his leash and collar back there. I didn't even think about it at the time. We actually went back and got it the next day. And the next day, um, my girlfriend, she saw the alligator. Like we both saw it. So cherry, basically cherry bombs. What's that? You're just lighting fireworks and throwing it at the motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I, I brought my gun with me. I brought my gun and I'm like, I'm going to shoot it. And she's like, you're not going to shoot it. You're not going to shoot it. So, like, damn right i'm gonna shoot it yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you not see happy gilmore yeah exactly <laughs> we know this Tubbs. was his name Tim? Tubbs? Chubbs, yeah, Chubbs. yeah. <laughs> this is for chubs yeah this one's for chubs <laughs> motherfucker um yeah so she stopped me from uh from blasting it we we ended up getting the uh the leash and collar back it was laying there on shore um but I had lost a pocket knife that was in my pocket. I always have a pocket knife on me, like a nice one too. I think it was a Benchmade, like one of the automatic ones. And uh, she always gave me shit for that ever after. And then she's like, you always carry a knife on you. Always. <laughs> You're always ready to use it. And then the time comes to use the fucking knife and you lose it. <laughs> you don't even pull it out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Dude, I'm just wondering, like, what she said, not then, but, like, do you oh. get in the car and wait? Like, what's she coming out with this Christmas gift? Do you just say, yeah, yeah. hey, can so you go this... back in and get me a pair of 3230s and, like, yeah, roll? Yeah, I mean, you would assume the story's over there, like, but it just gets more <laughs> retarded. <laughs> like, as I'm, as I'm walking back to the car, like, I'm like, no one's going to fucking believe this. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, I can't even believe this happened. Like, what is going on right now? I'm like, of course this happened. Like, not only did I have, like, bad news earlier, but now I get bit by a fucking alligator. Like, how many people have this happened to? And um, so I'm, like, having this internal, like... Dialogue. Uh, dialogue going on as I'm walking back, <laughs> hobbling back to the car. 
but also at the same time, like I got like a little bit of an ego or something going on too. Cause I'm like, I just got bit by an alligator and I made it out of it. I'm a fucking badass. Like, what the fuck? Combat in target. Yeah. He needs <laughs> Afghanistan. Yeah, I know. So then we get back to the car. I get in my car. I drive around to the front of, um, target. My phone is in the car. So as I'm driving around to the front, I'm calling her on the phone and uh, she's not picking up so i'm like fuck it i'm like all hopped up still I'm like i'm gonna go in there so then i park the car up out front i i leave it unlocked but it's running the dog is sitting in the passenger seat koenig's there and i walk around soaking wet my whole even my hair everything's wet my um left leg is in tatters and then i was wearing these white van shoes and because they were white the left one was completely red like it was it was like saturated in blood and I'm walking through the front, you know, internet. I'm sorry, dude. All I got was blood red vans and then your internet. Allah is really fucking with us, man. I know. He doesn't want me to tell the story. (laughs) You told told Allah's secret out and now he's just getting you. (laughs) That's probably true. Um, Oh yeah, so, so I'm walking in, and no one's no one's giving me the time of day. Like not even one person remarks upon my appearance at all. It was the strangest, like out of body type of experience ever. And I was like looking around, like I'm like, how does no one see this? Like this is not normal. You know what I mean? Like I'm hobbling through there. I'm soaking wet, like dripping everywhere, and um, no one's paying attention to me at all. And as I come through, because I figured like people would stop and be like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Can we Something help you? Basic. Nothing like that happens. Everyone's just my business. And um, she's still not picking up the phone. I probably call her two or three times. And uh, so I actually yell at one of the cash register, like the cashiers. And I'm like, hey, I'm like, where's the, the microphone thing for the store? Because I was going to get on it and be like, <laughs> Yo, uh, Michi, I need you to come to the front. I've been bitten by an alligator. You know, something like retarded. And, uh, just to be dramatic. Yeah, just to be dramatic. Yeah. But uh, right, the, the cashier's like, you got to talk to customer service is what she said. I don't know what that had to do with anything. And then so I, right then I get a call back from her on the phone. So I pick it up. And I'm like, hey, um, Koenig just got attacked by an alligator. We got to go to the hospital. And apparently she said that she was like at her paying. She had already had everything laid out on the belt and was like about to pay. And she just looked up at the um, cashier and was like, I got to go. And just turned and (laughs) ran off, left everything there. And uh, the weirdest part was she walked right past me. She headed like right out the door. And I was like, this is insane. Like this whole thing is insane. So I turn around follow her out, like hobble out the door, back to the car. I see her like looking in the window of the car and she sees Koenig right there. She's like, oh, Koenig looks fine. I thought he said he got attacked by an alligator. So I'm walking past her. I'm like, hey, get in the car and check Koenig out, make sure he's okay. Um, I'm going to drive us to the hospital. So I get in the driver's seat, turn and um, take off. And then that's when I tell her, like, I was like, yeah, I got, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, it bit me. She's like, it bit you, it bit Koenig and you. And I'm like, yeah, it got both of us. And um, she's like, do you want me to drive? And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. And uh, literally, 
I wish I could show you like Google Maps right now, but everything <laughs> in the is like within a quarter mile of each other, like in the same couple blocks. Okay. So I literally drive like down the road and take a left, like not not even a quarter mile away. And then there's a little one of those standalone ERs. I love those. Gotta docks. Yeah. We got it, um, <clears throat> a bunch of gotta docks around here in walk-in clinics. Yeah. That, and that's what it but then they actually turned it into a full hospital now so now it's like a massive hospital okay yeah um but at first it was just a standalone er and uh i go then we go walking into it i actually brought koenig with me into it and i'm like hey she's like how can i help you and i'm like i got bit by an alligator and she's like what and she jumped up and looked down at my leg and she's like oh my god and then goes out and grabs a wheelchair comes back in um i uh get in the chair and she's like wheeling me back to a room like, just like, what is going on? How did this happen? And then, uh, so she's talking to me. We're halfway back, and they're like, oh, you can't have your dog in here. Like, I'm like, what? That's fucked up. Like, but why not? But it's a therapy dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, they convince uh, my girlfriend to take him um, back to the front and wait out front while I go to the back. And uh, he's soaking wet, so they give her one of those white hospital blankets to help, like, dry him off. And uh, so I'm back there getting treated. And then she comes up to my room a little bit later, like 10 minutes later, her family showed up. She called my parents, my parents uh, showed up. And then, uh, so we had like a bunch of support there and everything. And, but she's breaking out crying. She's like, Oh my God. She's like, I used the white blanket to dry off Koenig, but he's, I found there's blood on it. Like there's blood on the blanket. So he's hurt. And uh, we're like, Oh no. So literally just on the other side of the road, because you're, now we're looking at like a square pattern is the vet take the dogs to it's one of those um not petco but the other one pet store or whatever it is okay and yeah. it's got the it's got the band field that's attached to it so the the vet one so they take them across there to the vet and apparently the story they took up uh so koenig was fine he got bit <laughs> twice it, he pulled up the first bite like brought him under and then it, it tried to bite him again to latch on them. So there are two bite patterns on them. Okay. But they were just basic puncture wounds and nothing like nothing. It didn't break any bones and it didn't um, like tear into his muscle. It was just mostly skin. Dude, so that seems lucky as hell, man. Like the, the yeah. alligator, again, the force that you always see <clears throat> on Nature Channel or whatever, they find yeah. they, they snap you like a chicken bone. Yeah, I just, I watched, there's this guy I follow on um, Instagram called Gator Boy and he's uh he's like a wildlife expert and he he mostly handles alligators and rescues them and does all that kind of stuff he was just showing a video today of their bite force and it was a smaller gator it was like a six foot gator and it it's it was incredible like just the smack smack yeah of the of its bite force you know it was crazy um and uh, it makes sense because my leg like hurt so bad like it swelled up and i was kind of worried about compartment syndrome where it gets too tight cuts off all blood flow and then you have to have like kind of a surgical procedure to release the pressure in it. That makes sense. But um, luckily that didn't happen. They just gave me some a bunch, a ton of antibiotics because they say that alligator bites are super uh, microbial. Like they're really dirty, and, uh, and they didn't want to close at all. With it. Like rabies, I, I just thought of this for some reason. Like I think of possums, I think of raccoons. I'm I don't like, think so. I think that yeah, I don't. I don't think I got rabies. I, I think they. That's not something that they get at all like dude yeah reptiles just don't get rabies yeah Sorry, I don't think that they was do. just yeah. a weird ass question but um, no um, i think 
no, that's a good one because I think that's something that we brought up. You know, is like, do I need a rabies shot or something like that? And they're like, no, they don't. They don't get rabies. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Okay. You know, I might have. I have to actually have to look that up though. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm not trying to like. Um, I don't know, like poke holes in your story or any shit like oh, that. Sure I guess kidding. I was just. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you fucking liar! Alligators have rabies. Yeah, Everyone knows yeah, it. There's tons of rabies. There's all kinds of alligators. <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense. They'd be dirty as hell if you're in a retention pond with no fucking yep. whatever oxygen stuff. But Just then I was thinking, water. like, what else could go wrong? Oh, I caught rabies from an alligator. And I'm like, yeah. salmonella? <laughs> could I get salmonella from an alligator? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. It probably would be salmonella over rabies, I bet. Um, yeah, I guess not. I, I want to say rabies, too, is, like, only for mammals. But I could be wrong. That feels right. It feels yeah. right. In my maternal instincts, it feels right. <laughs> <laughs> when I worry about my babies. My mother bear instincts, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, dude. I just sidetrack you all the time. In, in oh, no, you're stories. good. You're good. So the dog made it out, a couple of puncture wounds. and Yeah, so the story that the vet was telling was like, they're like, we're pretty sure we know that gator because... Um, Stop. You can't, you can't move gators from where they live because if you move them, they'll just try to go back to where they were. Like they, oh. You can't really move them very far away. Uh, like a nuisance gator either has to be killed or it has to go to like a rescue somewhere and like be taken like far away or something Fenced like in. that. Yeah, you yeah. can't just take him across the street because then he's just going to walk back across the street to go back to where he was before. So they're like, we, or the, the nurse over there or the vet tech over there is like, we're pretty sure that that gator already ate someone else's dog. Like, so like it's, they, that's what she said. This is, you know, second, third hand story. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and then not only that, but the nurse that I was, um, being treated by said that they think it's the same gator that was there at the, because they're building a giant hospital on the area, not just the standalone place. Um, they're doing a bunch of construction and they thought that that was the gator from there that they moved because they were doing construction. So they think that Florida Fish and Wildlife came and got it and moved it across the highway and put it in that pond because it was out there and there's construction workers and they're basically destroying its habitat anyways. So they might have, it might've been, and then she had a picture of it, um, which she actually gave to me. So she like texted it to me. So I have a picture (laughs) of a alligator. I don't know if it's the same alligator, but you're attacking. Yeah. I tell people it might be it. Um, do you and like then, put uh, its face on top of the dummy that you box with, or is that your like workout motivation? <laughs> get you right before a hard set. <laughs> I'm coming for you, and I play the Rocky theme song. Just training. <laughs> That's my motivation to train every day. Always on my ass, and I'm just working on get ups. That's right. Working on counter rolls. <laughs> just tons of Turkish get ups. Anything to get from the ground up as fast as possible. Right. God. Wrestling moves like flying elbows and shit. Yeah, dude, that, I mean, like, that's kind of fucking eerie to hear, though, because you think, whatever, I don't know who has the balls. A great white bites you, and if they don't try to leave, you're told, punch it right in the snout, right? Like, stun right. the shark. Yeah. You're hearing a couple of, knows. yeah, right? You're hearing a couple of blows from you, and you're, like, I mean, I don't know if you're yoked. I believe you're yoked. You're, you're pretty <laughs> fucking fit, man. And, like, to hear that, like, the alligator's just like, whatever. Yeah, I, 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 I had not thought about that. I think I would have done the same thing, expecting one right. strong hit, it stuns it, go. and it's like, I'm not trying to battle like that. Right, yeah. That's what I did. It's like, 
I just felt like I felt like I was there for an attorney just smacking it on the top of his head. I probably realistically only landed like three or, you know, three or four blows maybe. And it was probably only a couple seconds. Yeah. But it felt like forever. And in that time, like my brain is like working overtime and I'm like, I got to get out of here. This isn't working. Let's try something else. And I, that's when I had rolled, you know, to try and just flight, scramble. Man. Yeah. Scramble away. If I could like, you know, kick it, kick it or something with my other leg. I don't, I don't know what I was trying to do. Just get away from it. I remember that. Dude, it's it's one of those things where, and I have not um, belt wrestled with many a man um, in my day, but it's one of those. Don't do things the belt wrestling, the where, stand up bear. Where wrestling Afghans do. <laughs> where like night wrestling. there are instincts within you that are really cool when they come out. Where like somebody grabs you, or you're fucking around with your boys, or whatever, and then all of a sudden uh-huh. you're like. I didn't realize I was limber or yeah. I didn't realize I was elusive and you're I just, spinning I just out of shit. Yeah. And you just don't even know how your hands knew to be here. Your head knew to bob this way, your hips yeah. knew to get here and you're finding leverage or something. You're like, Whoa, like I've never yeah, this, done that, but it's, it's, it, it's primal. It's instinctual to absolutely. Escape. Yeah. You know, There's something like built into our midbrain there, you know, yeah, like cause our, you're, our reptilian brain. you're hardwired to fucking survive. You're, you're not exactly. hardwired to be prey. Mm-hmm. Like we're apex fucking humans mm-hmm. are apex. Yeah. You can't, you can't argue against that. Like obviously humans are the apex predators on earth now, yeah. you know, thank cause of tools, not cause of our ability. No, no, to... Yeah. Technology. <laughs> yeah. Not physically. <laughs> That's something, um, it's yeah. funny going to the Joe Rogan podcast. He, um, I had this dude on who I tried to get on my pod and I didn't know he went on Joe Rogan. It fucking happened to me twice, dude. I messaged, <laughs> dude, I messaged two guys where I read articles about them in the Atlantic uh-huh. and like trying to go through their publicist. Hey, do you want to come on? And, um, one of them almost did. They sent me all these like questions about when do you release what type of questions do you ask who are your oh, top wow. rated ga- guests and i was like holy shit this is gonna happen yeah and, they're serious yeah right and then they were like you know upon further review we're not gonna come on and then fucking two days later they're on joe rogan's podcast and i'm oh, like oh shit motherfucker <laughs> but one of his things um <laughs> one of his things the guest was humans are able to be together because we can socialize enough to pass on knowledge that helps uh, each other yeah. versus you put two chimps in a room. Like if you and I, and we're doing this through a zoom, if you and I met at a bar, maybe one of us would leave. Right. Primates, they just fucking want to kill each other where yeah. humans are smart enough to evolve symbiotically to dominate other animals. Yep. And it's a very unique trait within us. Um, and he, his whole thing, he wrote the book drunk. Um, he was like, oh, because that guy, I yeah, just listened to that. Oh, did you? It was so yeah. fucking good, right? Yeah, it's really good. Dude, holy like it, it, it really is a basic thing where you're like, holy shit, like having fermented wine and cutting down your cerebral cortex or your prefrontal lobe where it's like you're no longer an enemy. I can, yeah. Almost like what you were talking about with the translator where you're able to understand, yep. like read these cues and almost suppress these primal instincts to dominate, kill you. But yeah, exactly. I can trust you. You can trust me. We're going to work together for some sort of common good of survival. Yeah. It, 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 so it, anyway, all that to say, like the story reminds me of like how fucking primal we can be when we need to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just like absolutely the, like there was nothing 
there was no problem solving skills or, or intelligence or anything that I brought to the table that allowed me to make it through that situation. It was all just natural ability, like something that came, like you said, primal yeah. in it, nature. Yeah. It, it's kind of fun. And basically, I guess <laughs> drinking takes you to the point where you're a kid. Getting bit by an alligator takes you to the point where you're a chimpanzee. And you're just fucking yeah. thriving in your natural habitat. Yeah, I just turned into a fucking killer chip, man. <laughs> okay, so I will give you um, the first time I felt like I had really made it oh, as a tarot reader. I like it. So, like I said, I've been reading tarot for 15 years, and you know, it started as just it started just for me. I just wanted to learn it, just to connect on my own. It was never about starting a business or reading for other people. It was just a journey that I was on. Um, and my first real event, I found a Renaissance fair that was looking for tarot readers Ooh, on Facebook. Fun. And I was like, you know, I um, have never read tarot for an event and also, I've never been to a Renaissance fair, <laughs> but we're going to take a leap of faith today and just see what happens. How happy were so, you when you got the full turkey leg? Like the fucking 20 pounds? <laughs> <laughs> how, how excited were you to have those juices drop? <laughs> the brightest day of my life. But so I, I, um, I messaged this lady on Facebook. It was like a Facebook job ad. And I was like, well, you know, I've, I've been reading for years. I am definitely interested. You know, I'll get costume. I'll dress up my tent. Whatever you need me to do, I'm down. Nice. And she was sold. She was like, absolutely. Um, these are the dates that you come. This is what you need to do. Um, I was floored that someone had taken a chance on me. Right. And, you know, the, uh, the imposter syndrome kicks in. You're yeah. like, how did they... Uh, allow me to do this. What am I going to do with myself? Um, so I I got a, a some an outfit and some tapestries and whatnot to set up my little booth. Um, there were like five of us tarot readers, and I went every weekend for a couple of months. Oh wow! Um, and we would do fifteen minute readings. Um, back to back, you know, they just throw people in the booth and <laughs> you're getting your out, fortune in told. Out, in out. <laughs> um, but you know, so I had all of these wonderful, very quick moments with people, you know, the stranger sits down, um, says very little, you start drawing cards, you start talking, you know, some people laugh, some people cry, some people start talking about people that have passed away or their divorce or what have you. These very raw and real moments start to come up man, uh, with these people that are just, you know, at the fair. No doubt. Um, Dude, and 15 minutes to like get deep like that, that's quick timing. Talk about yeah. like speed dating. <laughs> yeah basically that's really what it feels like you're no like foreplay. oh nice to meet you um what's going on with your marriage <laughs> no did, you, did you know that your mother has cancer and they're like what right like your son hasn't has some issues going on um but you just get to these very raw and real moments with people very quickly um and that was wonderful and and cathartic and very empowering for me and I'm sure for those people as well um but then so 
you know, there's, there's these just little tents essentially in a semicircle. And the girl who was in the tent next to me became kind of a friend of mine, another reader. Um, so we are towards the end of this fair and, um, this couple comes up and the young man sits down with me and his girlfriend sits down with the girl next to me. Um, you know, and we've got our curtains up and everything. You can't hear it's muffled. It's, um, a separate booth, but they sit down. And so I do this reading for this young man, um, about his new relationship. And it says that, you know, there's a lot of potential there, but he is being overbearing Mm. um, and that he might be pushing this young girl away. But that there is good potential if he could just rein it back so as not to overwhelm her too early on. And, you know, it goes into his good qualities and this is what would work best for you. And, you know, there's a lot of good things going here if you just make it work. Um, and And Tim Gunn, that motherfucker, make it work. (laughs) So so I finish up this reading and, um, the, my partner finishes up her reading with the girlfriend and they part ways. And so immediately we go to each other and we're like, what did they ask you? What did you say? (laughs) Um, Gossipers, the tarot card reading gossipers. (laughs) Where's the the confidentiality? (laughs) <laughs> well, we just wanted to know, did your message think up to mine? Right? You know, are we on the same page? Yeah, yeah. And it was funny. We recited almost word for word from both parties. She was like, um, you know, I told this girl that there was a lot of potential in this guy, that he was just anxious. So it was, he was being overbearing, but things were going to calm down. And if she just gave him a chance. Wow. <laughs> And it was the sweetest, like, word for word, like, like, we felt like we had done both sides of this service of calming these people's fears so that, that they could further fall into this connection. Um, Man. And they are, I believe, still together. They had reached out to me on my Facebook page. Um, there were a couple of people from that fair that had later reached out to me and they were like, all oh, your stuff. Um, like, I think there was one girl who I predicted um, the gender of her baby and she messaged me several months later. Um, just cool little things like that. But Did that you- couple to this day, like just knowing that we in tandem gave them the same advice to be easier on each other and to accommodate each other's anxieties and quirks um, and to 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 see where that took them I, it was one of those moments where i felt like you know i was actually doing something good right this, this is pretty something i don't talk about very often either i'd love it um, i have the state championship in speed walking <laughs> that's a thing <laughs> yeah and that's that's the thing like i'm competitive right and what happened on track and field day was i missed <laughs> the bus didn't come so i missed all the tryouts oh. and the only event left the next day was speed walking <laughs> 
so like I'm competitive. I didn't want to miss out on track and field on like all the traveling they get to do and stuff. So obviously I like walked <laughs> and I won the school level. And then I went to the regionals and then I won regionals. And then I went to provincial level. And um, I remember my mom driving me to the track and then we showed up and everyone had coaches and they're all like <laughs> coaching them and like telling them my mom's like, here, stand closer <laughs> so you can learn. <laughs> so, and I don't remember the exact rules, but, or the, or the distance, but I was doing really well in the provincial race and I was leading the whole time and you're not allowed to run and like run means not hitting your heel first to the ground. Right. Yeah. Like then you'd get disqualified. Like I understood that was the rule. God, what a terrible job for like the ref to be looking yeah. at all these heels. The whole time. Yeah. But there's some discretion and this is the part that I didn't know about. You can have three penalties. Oh, yeah, so on the last lap, people just start sprinting across past me, and I'm just thinking, well, they're going to be disqualified. <laughs> but no, they're using up all their penalties, and then I came in fourth place. Oh, dude, you were actually like, were you leading till that yes. sprint? No, yeah, I'm watching people run by, and I'm like, well, like that's irrelevant, right? Because they're <laughs> running and they're literally sprinting, and I'm just walking. Oh my gosh, dude. What, what, what's the, what, what year, what grade is this like freshman this, year or high school? This is grade eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that Canadian field day does not sound like our field day at all in the <laughs> States. So there's like a track and field field day. And then all of a sudden, like there's a, like the kids just get to show up for all of grade eight. It was, this was actually Australia and Australia is incredibly competitive in sports. Wait, they you, have you were in grade eight in Australia? Yeah, my parents were teachers and they did exchanges and that was one of the countries they lived in and I went to school in grade 8 in Australia. Got you. And yeah, their their sports programs are incredible. Like um they re that's why they do so well in the Olympics even though they're such a tiny country yeah, is population wise for sure. Yeah, is any bun with any type of potential in a sport. Well, I think everyone had to do it. Like one day a week or one afternoon, you had to play in a sport. So you, you didn't go to school. You perfected your sport. You worked on whatever sport that was. Oh, no way. And your yeah. sport clearly was not speed walking. So what was your sport in eighth grade that you were perfecting? <laughs> um, well, at that, at that time, it was tennis. Oh, really? Yeah, I was playing competitive tennis. Golly day, dude. Man, you've, you've lived one of the most amazing lives ever. Never die. Never die. Aww. Keep living your life. I can't, I, I wish, I don't know, man. It's hard on the podcast thing to like talk and suck up someone's entire night for like hours and hours and hours on end. I always feel guilty. So I try to keep it between two to three, but like you and just, I, I almost now feel bad for spending so much time on poker and not getting more <laughs> into like all the cultural experiences you've had. Yeah. What I bought, I was, one of my bosses once said to me, like, you're the most well-rounded person people and i think that's just me like i'll try things and i'll get to a pretty high level and then i'll try something else i'm not and that's why i have respect for like the top percentile because they have to go that extra level that i just always got bored with and the never really right? pursued but i have tried a lot of different things and worked very hard at them
the first time I wrote a song that made me cry. Oh, my own, my own song. I uh, I wrote a song. My the record that I told you that I put out that I didn't mean to put out, but like kind of got put out, um, was largely about. A lot of it was about losing my. I lost. I lost my cousin. He was twenty one. He died of a heroin overdose. And a lot of the, a lot of the songs on there kind of were inspired by that whole experience because it was obviously I was deeply affected by it. Um, and my grandma. A lot of people. Everybody. He writes sad songs. He writes sad, the record companies that were that I was getting shot by. The, the record companies that were coming out to see me. I was selling out shows on Bleecker Street and in, in um at the Bitter End in Long and in, in New York. And everybody said, oh, your, your songs are just, they're just so sad. And this was before Adele and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. They're just, I don't know. They're sad. I guess they just, I'm not a sad person, but they're, they're sad songs. And my grandma said to me, are you okay? I said, why? She said, I listened to some of the songs you wrote and they just sound so sad. And I was like, well, they're sad because like, those are my feelings and I got them out and I don't, you know, I'm sorry if my songs are sad, but if you don't like them, don't listen to them. I'm like, this is like for me. So I wrote a song based on that called This Is Mine. And the lyrics in it are quite trite, but it's on purpose because I'm sort of making fun of like songs that sell as opposed to songs that come from the heart. Oh. And when I writing it and I wrote the lyrics and I played it for the first time, like I couldn't get through it. Because at the end, I just was crying. And so for a long time, I couldn't play it live because I couldn't get through it without crying. Um, but now I do. And now I get through it every time. But yeah, the first time I ever, I had written a lot of songs before that. But the first time I wrote a song that actually made me cry, I was like, this is how you write songs. So if now, when I write, if it doesn't make me cry, I'm kind of like, eh, this might not be the best song ever. <laughs> you know? How does it, or what's the buildup? Cause I mean, it's not like you say the first word and you're in tears, right? Like the shit builds up like crescendos almost right into tears. So- yeah. Well, there's a line in it that says, um, and if it makes, and if it makes you cry, at least I know it's real. And then at the very end, I'm like, I don't bleed for you. My voice is black and blue. And that part made me cry because when I said that part, it made me cry because I, you know, I sing sometimes six nights a week, sometimes seven nights a week, all year round, you know, anywhere from three to five hour shows. Sometimes I play a four hour straight show with no break. And I, I do this to my voice. I sing like this and it's so physically taxing twice. I've, I've, uh, ruptured a vocal cord twice. Mm. Um, I'd like, I, I blew, I had an ear infection where, because I was burning the candle at both ends and I, I lost my hearing for two months. Like, I've like sustained physical injuries and hardships because of what I do to my body. Um, and it has nothing to do with drinking or drugs because I'm just not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just the, the, just how physically taxing it can be. Like, you know, I'm, I'm singing sometimes from 10 in the morning till midnight and I'm getting up at eight in the morning and I, I had two hours of sleep and I'm now I'm driving for, Vermont and I'm on my way to Long Island, New York. And, you know, it's just, and these people who have, you know, made it quote unquote, the famous people that go on tour, like they might live like that for, you know, a couple months out of the year, but Mm. they don't do it all year round for 25 years, you know? 
So the the line that I wrote in there is that my voice is black and blue made me cry because I was like, I I give everything to this. Like I don't even my voice has changed. Like I don't even sing like the way I used to because I've done such I don't want to say damage. I, I have definitely done damage. Right now I'm I'm in pretty good shape. I do see a really good ENT and a vocal therapist, but um I've damaged my voice. Like my voice is black and blue for you. Mm. You know, like I do this. I sing, I sing for you, my day job, all these covers, these are for you, but this is mine. This stuff that I write, this is mine. This isn't for you. So if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. You have to listen to the covers because you paid a cover charge for it and I'll play whatever (laughs) you want. And I have to play everything you say because that's my job and I like it. I'm not like bitching about it. Like I want to, I want to do my job and I want to do it well, but this year this writing like this might not be a good song i don't care i wrote it for me i didn't write for you this is mine so that's what that song's about and it was triggered by my grandma asked me why i write sad songs and it made me cry when i played it like after i wrote the lyrics and i got the chord progression all down and i'd been working on it for a while when i first played it for the very first time in its entirety i couldn't get through it because i cried that's again just something you don't think about but that whole acceptance thing is man that's fucking i don't know it's deep it's great insight honestly to how it's so easy to forget that like people fucking care like people put thought effort into this thing they're showing you be like going to an artist and being like why why is the color so fucked up on this painting (laughs) right you want to you know what i have another real quick story that i just have to mention real quick yeah i right along the lines of this i i uh i played a double I was playing in Atlantic City. I played a double. I played at the beach bar at Bally's all day long. It was a three-hour show. Had a break. We went to the hotel room, got showered, went back out, and played the night show in in the nightclub bar at, at Bally's. And so I had been, you know, on my feet for like 12 hours. I had been singing for like seven hours, six hours. And uh, it was packed, packed house. I mean, like you couldn't even move in there probably 2000 people in there. Maybe I'm not sure how many people can, can be in that room. However many people can be in that room. That's how many there were. If it's a thousand, if it's 3000, I'm not sure, but it's Bally's wild, wild west. It was, it was a packed room. And the very end of the night, our very last song, the crowd's going one more song, one more song. And I was like, dude, I'm dying. I've been singing all day. Like I'm out of songs. Like Mm. you really want one more song. I'm playing you one of mine. And if you don't like it, that's that's where the door is but i'm done like my job is done like i'm working overtime now so i'm gonna play mine so i played that song i played that this is mine and not only did like nobody leave but everybody stayed there and they were like swaying and they sang a lot like they didn't sing along but like at the end they were like like yeah you can see they were trying to sing along (laughs) they definitely but at the end they like cheered and the dj was like the dj at the time agent scott he was like dude He's like, to keep a room on a solo acoustic original song like this. He's like, that took some balls. This woman's incredible. She is some other, I don't know whatever else he said, but it was like amazing. But I got it actually on video. I have video of me doing it in front of the crowd and I have video of him saying that. And like, I'll never, like, I'm so glad I got that moment on video because I, listen, I do, I'll do an original song at the end of shows all the time. Like, it's not like I never do that. I do that all the time. But it's usually one that people requested, which is like cheers. One of the ones that like everybody knows that I, that that's mine, um, which in of itself is wonderful. Like I'm, I appreciate that people know my stuff, but like 
I played like a, not a new, but I played like an unknown one. And it mm-hmm. was super slow after we just ended with zombie and this crazy rock, like, you know. So I'll never forget that moment. That was, that was a really cool moment too. But it was, it also ties in with that same exact song there. Yeah. Right. And it fucking proves that when you do pour your heart, like that, that un unquantifiable connection, like that feel, that vibe, just fucking, it's what makes, it's what makes humans human, man. It makes fucking life worth living. Um, yeah, that is awesome. That fucking. Yeah. Now I miss it. Now I want to get on a stage right now. I was enjoying this break, but now I'm like, all yeah. right, I talked to Sean and I need to go get on the stage. <laughs> right. The okay. Part. How about we go at this time in Iceland when I was climbing a mountain and I almost died. Shut the fuck. Iceland as well. Jesus, man. <laughs> Jesus. I'll have to ask you about. I'm making myself sound so adventurous. Oh, no doubt. You didn't. You didn't fucking. Yeah, you got off that couch and fucking video games quick. You started getting into I some was like, serious Fuck shit. This video game shit. I'm gonna go live life. No doubt. So, yeah, we went to Iceland, which I highly recommend. It is is such an amazingly. It's everything you country. hear, huh? Oh yeah, like yeah, it's fucking dark and cold depending on when you go. Yeah, if but there's like the yeah. So that's what I've heard. You go in the summer and you fucking rent a car and you just drive around like the one highway that loops around the outskirts and you just hit up a bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah. We rented a van that we could sleep in. Like oh. it wasn't it wasn't fancy by any means. It just had like we had a, a the back of the van had a mattress and then underneath that we had a, our our stove or you know, camping. We were essentially camping out of the back of the van. Right. And so unbelievably awesome. So yeah, we just got on the highway and started just going around at our own pace, stopping whenever we wanted, checking out whatever we wanted. I'm a, I'm a big climber. I like to just climb mountains and hills and all that shit. And I'm not trained in any way whatsoever. Just uh, the only thing I'm trained in is being exceptionally ignorant to the skills that are needed to be successful. <laughs> like, what's I'm, what's I'm your greatest to... strength as a climber? Sheer stupidity. My, my greatest strength <laughs> as a climber is my sheer will of holding on. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so no, that's already I, setting up to be great. It's kind of something like, I mean, I've, I've gone to climbing gyms. I've I've done it here and there. I've never put time into the sport i would say so i'm not a serious climber i just like to i see a mountain or a hill i like to climb it i like to get to the top of it and are you doing like the the um putting stakes into the the rock and like you got the belt on the crampons and all that shit or you just no i'm just i'm i'm free i'm free soloing i'm like i'm not going into areas like that where where it's it's quite challenging for me to pull myself up, and if I do slip, I, I fall. I'm I'll be dead, right? So I try yeah. and put myself too often into those situations. Like it'll be challenging, but as long as I'm aware and present, I'll be fine. Gotcha. So in uh, Iceland, we're going you know around. We come up to these this really cool gorge like hill mountain. It's a mountain essentially. And I'm like, I said to Karen, I'm like, I'm going to climb this. I'm like, I think I can climb this. No, like, it'll be physically a little bit challenging and a little dangerous at a few parts. But for the most part, it's going to be just fine. And she's like, okay, just, uh, I'll be down here. and <laughs> Ready to uh, catch you. <laughs> it's just kind of like, I, I hope, I, I hope you come back. Like, I don't know. 
I'm like, so I go off and I, I'm climbing up and I'm going away. I've never been on, obviously I'm in this fucking hill on Iceland and I'm climbing up and there's it's getting steeper. It's getting steeper. And, uh, the, the rocks I'm holding on to start just, uh, giving out like they're, I, I call it scree. So they're not really like, they're not really giving me much of a, a placement of where I want to put my feet and my hands when I'm going up. Gotcha. And I'm getting higher. I'm getting higher and higher up. And then, and I'm like, Oh God, okay, this isn't getting good. And so yeah. I, I start, I look down and I'm like, I, isn't that the number one rule? Like, isn't that the number one rule? Don't look down. Yeah. But I looked down <laughs> because I, I was really considering having to, turn back to go down because oh, the higher up I was getting the the more of a challenge it was just to, to stay on there to, to from not falling and right. I know if I were to fall at any point I was going to be really like badly maimed or killed like it was I was up at the point where I was in, I was I was in trouble and so I was like okay I, 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 can I make it back down? I don't think so. Okay, what am I going to do? And I started to panic. Oh. I started to really panic because I was like in trouble. I'm in Iceland. I I don't know who the fuck. To, no one is anywhere near me. Yeah, right. Uh, I can't make. I can't go down the way I came up, and I can't go back up. I can't go up anymore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna die. Like so, I'm just holding on here. I'm catching my breath. I'm like, okay. So I started going to my yoga, my breathing techniques. Okay. Then this seagull comes, I don't know, it wasn't a seagull, but it was a, a Iceland gull. <laughs> <laughs> comes flying near me and kind of just, he's like just floating and hovering over me. And I kind of, I kind of get the message from him. He's kind of like, everything, every little thing is going to be all right. Like Bob Marley or something, right? Thank God. And so I just start, I just start moving sideways. Like, uh. Um, horizontally along the whole face of the mountain because like I can't go down, I can't go up. And if I just go horizontally, maybe I'll get to a place where I can make it down. And I went about half a kilometer or so to the side and, and made it to this area where I was able to slide down a bit. And, and, and I guess it wasn't very riveting at the end, the climax. So I didn't die, obviously. Fuck that. But, it's a slide. So like the foothold, uh, yeah. like when you're going laterally, are, are we like cliff's edge do you like is your whole foot on stuff or are you hitting like rock by rock yeah i'm using my feet on raw on, on rock and dirt a little bit that every, every little bit that would hold and my arm mostly I'm, I'm i'm putting most of the bet of, of my hands being able to hold me up because i'm not trusting that footing very well gotcha. and i'm hoping to i'm hoping to grab a good enough grip where i, I have enough upper body strength just to kind of hold myself jesus it was, Did you have any idea how high you were? Did you go back and look uh, and you fucking Googled it or you scaled it out and you were like. I wasn't terribly high. I don't know. I was, I mean, I, I have it all on GoPro. I made quite the, quite the video. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was fucking high. If I had fallen, I would have been done. Yeah. 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 Dude, I felt trippy as hell on a fucking 20 foot ladder, man. You know? I was like, do I call. Iceland 911, and am I going to be that guy getting helicoptered off the side of a fucking mountain? <laughs> Tourist doesn't know shit and is an idiot, needs to get helicoptered off the island. No doubt. Oh, man. But is saved by a magical Bob Marley seagull. 
<laughs> but when I came down uh, uh, at the at our van, there was a tow truck there, and Carrie, my girlfriend, was like, uh, "The battery died." So she had let the let the battery die in the car. Right. So we needed to call someone to boost it. Motherfucker! It charged five hundred dollars to give shit. us a boost. Holy, how far did he come? Good God. <laughs> I don't know, but he had us by the balls, right? Yeah, right. That's, man, 500 $500 just to give us a boost. But it got us going. And man. Yes. I'll never forget that day because my, my adrenaline, my fear was, and when I got down that mountain, I was kissing the ground and I was so excited. No and- doubt. And then the $500 just takes you back to square zero of anger and you feel like a conqueror right? and you're like this motherfucker. I was like, and this motherfucker, come on. Dude, just I just survived. I just defied like, death. I thought you were dead. And she's like, I thought maybe you were dead and I had to, I didn't know what was happening. And I'm like, Oh gosh. Stressful afternoon. God, that's that dude. That's good. You know what? Your story has reaffirmed my belief on just popping the best first for last on people. Cause I was dope. I'm down with it. <laughs> right. And then I guess maybe eventually well, someone will listen to a whole podcast and figure out like, Oh, okay. Shit. If I'm coming on, I got to have a best first for last, but until then, fuck you. You're going to keep getting surprised. Okay. Keep going. Best first for last. Um, I, I'm going to go with the first time I, I sung in front of a crowd. Nice. Uh, and I was like maybe four. Ooh. And that's that's a pretty early age to really remember much, but I do remember I was uh it was after a dance recital I want to say from from what I remember from being told about the story um something something along those lines and um I remember my parents told me they would get me ice cream if I sang um I want to I really don't remember what the event was but for whatever reason there was a crowd available for me to sing in front of and I remember it was nighttime. And I went up there and I sang You Are My Sunshine. Oh, dude, that's because... a fucking – talk about a crowd pleaser at four. Yeah, and are, that's um, – Are you that's, in pigtails? That's... Tell me you have pigtails and a fucking skirt or like like, like, like a um, Dorothy-type dress. No, I, I probably wasn't a dress, but I probably had like a mullet. My mom, my mom <laughs> had a mullet on me for a while. <laughs> but, uh, but that's the song that my parents always sang to me when I was little. When I couldn't sleep, so they – they thought it was adorable whenever I would sing. Um, actually, my mom used to call me Thumper because my voice, she thought, reminded her of Thumper. So I guess maybe it had something to do with that. But anyway, I uh, yeah, so I sang that. And I do remember, and you know, with those old memories, it's, it's kind of hard to, to think, is this something that I'm recalling because someone told me or because I right. actually remember it? Yeah, yeah. But I do remember being up there, and I remember uh, as I was singing it, this older man... <laughs> in the front row started singing it along when i paused <laughs> and i remember being kind of annoyed about that like like i know the words but <laughs> oh, motherfucker you ain't taking my shine right i just remember because i think i might have paused out of like nervousness or something and i think he just was trying to like like egg me on or something or, or encourage me but uh, i do remember that but yeah so i sang that and then we were able to get ice cream so Aww. um but yeah, my mom and dad still talk about that. Dude, so you know, it wasn't like a low four years old. You're 
not in kindergarten at that point, right? So like it's it was a, like four or five. Yeah, I don't think I was in school yet. Right. So like church talent show, your parents are hoping to like get a reality show with you around it. What's the? You don't remember the premise? They always tried to get me to sing. Honestly, I'm I. We had a like a camera growing up. My mom bought like one of those big old uh, video cameras that you put the VHS tape in. Oh yeah, the fucking glory. God, those were glorious. <laughs> oh my god, me and my brother had tons of fun with that. Um, but. Yeah, no, I, there's videos of me singing My Heart Will Go On, uh, like, in front of the piano, all awkward, wearing, like, oh. some some weird little dress. But, no, yeah. Little little uh, Whitney Houston, what was the Bodyguard song? And I... Did you ever fucking just... Like, that? that's the other one, aside from My Heart Will Go On, right? Or no? I mean, said Celine Dion is My Heart Will Go On. Yeah, 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 but Whitney Houston from The Bodyguard was like the precursor that set Celine Dion up to be that person that just fucking like, ah, for like the whatever, 15 second um, stamina. You don't think? I never linked the two together, honestly, but you know, oh, I don't know. You will forever now. I mean, that Amazing. Bodyguard thing. Do you remember the Whitney Houston video on that? No, no, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, uh, Dude, they, they start off like – it's almost like the the camera was in her tonsils and they do like a slow drawback when she's just fucking getting it. And, uh, and it is like iconically powerful to hear her fucking belt it, man. Like it's it's an image that stays with you. So, yeah, I always associate that with um inspiring Celine Dion. I like it. So did you go for it on the stage like that? Like – do you remember going for it at a moment or you I just mean, remember was, the uh, old man? It was you were my sunshine. So I, I remember being really nervous. I was a quiet kid. So I remember being really nervous about it, but uh, I, I really wanted that ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. You know, the way you can manipulate a kid to do something just by a little treat. <laughs> oh dude. They're, well, they're like fucking dogs, man. They will. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, no, I, I just remember being kind of nervous and doing it. Everybody loved it. And that's all I really remember about it. Yeah, well, like, who's going to be the dick that's like, you know, that four-year-old really doesn't have talent. Like, who's <laughs> who's that guy? Jesus, help him. Aw. <laughs> so I guess cute. I nailed it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm unfamiliar with the chorus. Can you sing it to me? No. <laughs> I really can't place it. I didn't understand Thumper. I'm not. Who is Thumper that – what's the rhythm? You are my You're not sunshine. My only sun shine. That's exactly how it goes. Then what happens afterwards? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. What happens when skies are gray? Uh, You make me happy when skies are gray. Oh, dude, that was your chance. You know what? You know what? (laughs) I'm glad you're saving it for when you actually get to perform with your uh, new band. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, you have to wait. Have you tried to funkify the song up? Have you thought about that? Like do like a funky ass. You are my you sunshine. Know, come now that I think of it, I I could. That'd be really cool. I right? actually would like to do that. Dude, that'd be like a neat little like um. Like a folk folksy like bluesy way to do it. I I could definitely. Dude, hundred really percent. Cool. And you know, how, like sometimes bands when they're up there will have like a set or whatever, and then they just need a fucking minute and they start like twiddling to kill time or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. if you had three or four of those motherfuckers like that, you just busted out. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, just fucking like a new rendition to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a place in Philly, Tyne, it's called. They do a jazz a jazz night, I think, on Tuesdays, and they'll just like, I've gone up there. Actually, I was really drunk when I did it, but 
Um, I went up there and sang one time, and that was totally different than what I'm used to. But those bands could probably do something super cool with that. If you just went up there and you're like, all right, let's do You Are My Sunshine. Because they have <laughs> such talented, talented musicians. And to right. go up there and then just, you know, everybody knows the tunes. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah, no doubt. That would be cool. Yeah. Definitely an idea. Well, yeah, you don't need to say thank you because you're welcome for the inspiration. <laughs> and when it hits, just like I won't ever pay you for the logo, um, you never have to pay me for that idea. All right. It's a deal. Like it. There it is. And that's recorded. So it's legally binding, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I can tell you about the first time. I, the, 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 this is appropriate. I, the, the first time I I, uh, I smoked cannabis. Dude, I almost, I was so, yes. Let's, what it a great was 23. I did not have any, any till I was 23. And I, I had moved to LA a couple of months before that from New York. And I've moved back. I'd moved back and forth a few times between Los Angeles and New York. And the next day I was going to fly to Bulgaria for my first job on a feature film as an assistant editor on this like B movie. <laughs> it's a very bad B movie called air marshal. Um, and, <laughs> and so, so at the night before I was going to fly, I, I was hanging out with two good friends of mine, one of whom is the one who gave me that Kundalini yoga class. Okay. Um, two good actor friends of mine. And he was, um, the, the guy, uh, he was uh, watching a house in the Hollywood Hills for a, for a friend of his who had this like big house in the Hollywood Hills. And, and he was a major stoner at the time. And, and she had it from time to time, but he was like a big stoner. And, this was going to, this was going to be my night of having it for the first time. Cause I'd never done it. So I was like, all right, you guys like uh, good friends. I feel safe. Let's, let's do this. You know, dude, how long was the buildup? Like it wasn't instantaneous. Like, Hey, it's six o'clock. You didn't have any prior notice. This is like weeks think, in advance. No, 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 no. I think we had dinner or something. If I remember correctly, we had dinner at, at, uh, at this Mexican restaurant, Beverly Boulevard. And then, decided that we're going to do this tonight. <laughs> so we go to his house and he brings out a bong. Oh Lord. Bongs are very strong. That's your first as experience. I, as, as I learned. So, <laughs> so they, they each take a hit of this bong and then it's time for me to take a hit of the bong. Now I will preface this by saying I'd never smoked anything in my life. I never smoked a cigarette. Oh man. I was just never, never attracted to it. And I had asthma growing up, so I never, never touched it. You are fucked. So I, <laughs> so I take a hit of this bong, like how, however I'm imagining I should, like I'm imitating them. And the two of them tell me, no, you didn't do it right. You have to do it again like this. Oh, so classic. I do it a second time. Classic setup. Go, no, 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 you didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. You have to do it again. <laughs> so I do it a third time. And they go, no, David, like this. So I do it a fourth time. And then they say, now you did it right. So I had four hits of a bong for my first experience with THC. And, uh, and it was just so amazing because I remember the moment that I realized something was wrong, which was, <laughs> it was a piano um, in the room. And so, so I remember getting up to play the piano. And then the next thing I realized was I was on the couch and playing the piano seemed like a distant memory from many years ago. 
And that's when I realized that I am not in a normal state of mind. <laughs> and, then, and the three of us were out in the, in the, um, there was a hot tub outside and we were in there and, and, uh, and, and at some point I was able to put my head back and suddenly I had completely relaxed into it and I just heard the universe, you know, right. like that, that sense when you're really high and you hear like echoes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was such a powerful experience that I did not feel, and it was a fully positive experience once I relaxed into it, but it was so strong that I did not touch it again for another 13 years. Stop, dude. Because why, why would you not want to because re-experience I just never, it? It just never, it never was something I wanted. You know, it was just like, I had that experience. It was powerful. It was meaningful. Um, and then I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I needed to be more acquainted to it. After I had a divorce a few years ago, I was like 37. Um, some, some girl reintroduced me to it. And then I sort of started, <laughs> I started like realizing, okay, this is kind of nice. And I would have it from time to time. And then when I made the movie, I, I learned a lot more about it. And my whole relationship to it changed. I still don't do it a lot. Um, but, but I have a much healthier i think relationship to it god i'm so curious i'm so surprised that your experience initially was so positive and yet you brought the stigma to the movie that you spoke about like what do you think that's about well i my stigma bringing it to the movie wasn't so much pot is bad it was more like overuse of cannabis makes people annoying. Uh, that was my stigma. That was my personal stigma of it. Um, I don't agree with that statement now, but at the time I thought that, um, I still think way overuse can make people annoying, but, but, uh, but I don't think of that as an axiom, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. I mean, moderation. I think a lot of people tend to go with the moderational aspect of it. Um, Although, look, Steve D'Angelo, who is in my movie, who is this, you know, very famous cannabis activist, who is one of the smarter people I ever met. I interviewed him at 11 a.m. one day, and he, he he was like the sharpest interview ever. He, the guy is like a machine of sharpness. He speaks so well and so eloquently and so intensely and and so interestingly, never says a uh, Never, th- never like goes, um, hmm, never falters. And I realized it was 11 a.m. And I realized that that guy had already had several hundred milligrams of THC that morning. <laughs> and he goes, what? That's just breakfast. And I'd met many people since who are, who are like that, who, whose, whose systems can, can take it. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and they feel uh, healthy from it, you know, and they're not high. And yeah. that's, that's the takeaway, right? It doesn't make you, it doesn't have to make you high. Cannabis is a very big thing that has different effects for different people. And is, uh, it can be a very positive thing. I think that's an eloquent ass way to end the podcast. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Listeners, search him up 
It's Andre Psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E, on social media. Give my man a follow, just for the fuck of it. Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about by going to betterhelp.com slash getting, the number two, no, the letter U. And you, dear listeners, are going to get 10% off your first month. Remember, the link you're looking for is in the description. Thanks to Shady Rays for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Listeners, the promo code GETTING will get you 25% off your purchase at ShadyRays.com. That's promo code GETTING, G-E-T-T-I-N-G. And if you just want to give us some straight cash money, shout out Randy Moss, you can go to our Patreon and support the pod for as little as $2 a month if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. If you have not already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Later.